0: Well, hey, everybody, this is Jason. And uh, I'm here again with Allison and Leo. And we just wanted to do a follow up uh, kind of to kind of catch up on where we're all at and looking into Web 3.0 and and uh, I, uh, Leo actually has a new article out on Silicon Icarus titled uh, Natural Asset Managers, How Decentralized Ledger Technology Will Drive the Ecosystem Services Sector. So um, yeah, we have a, it's going to be a little bit hodgepodge. We've got a lot of different things to talk about here. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us. So, hey, Allison. Hey, Leo. Hello. Hey, Jason. Hey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we so, thought we'd maybe do it like a begin, like just oh, sort yeah. of an update. Like maybe it makes yeah. sense to start with Leo since you mentioned Leo's new article.
2: Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, so pretty much for the last, I don't know, for the last little while, maybe six months have been looking into can this concept called ecosystem services which you know probably the most popular idea that people are familiar with is carbon credits so the idea that um, you can measure and quantify some activity of nature that people decide is good or bad and then either providing payment for that process or like in the case of carbon credits like outright making it an asset that can be um, traded in some way and then seeing how especially in the carbon credit market and ecosystem services in general they're pretty much the whole sector is converging um, to blockchain technology or like distributed ledger on some level uh, which you know, I don't feel like is largely understood or realized. And I'd say like in the article, I kind of point out two different, I don't know how I'd say it, like segments or momentums, one coming from, you know, the traditional institutions like the World Bank or um, USDA and other like, you know, large establishment. Um, like international
3: Rock. things,
2: yeah, BlackRock, <laughs> the, the EU people. and yeah. all, all these sorts of things. And then also the more like the Web3, the crypto space and they're like, you know, collectivist and uh, like often talk in languages uh, or uh, directly like talk about try- being anti-imperial or trying to, you know, empower people in like relationships. With one another in the land and stuff. And then, like, what I'm trying to point out is how those two forces, like that traditional, like, imperial force and this, like, supposedly, um, like, alternative path where people are trying to take care of each other and power each other, are really doing, like, the exact same thing.
1: Going the same place.
2: The exact same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, this is, like, this is can kind a of part one and uh, probably be a few more installments
1: well i really liked the, the the both the laying out the particular elements of the program but also the narrative structure because i think like that's really critical for people to be able to navigate the spaces seeing like being able to assess the narratives and like see the stru- like where are they taking us and how are they using language and imagery and like this idea of belonging to something positive to, to lead people um, and obscure what the, is actually happening. Because the sensor I let I, me maybe you could speak a little bit to like the automation of the environmental modeling. Because I, I think for me, that's yeah. the core, like, if we weren't doing that, like if we weren't blo- blockchaining the world, like there might be some aspects of this that I could possibly get on board with, but not outside in robot, you know,
2: Yeah, definitely. So like the whole this entire system, the whole, like, the conceptual basis of this is quantifying nature and using all of the technologies possible to do that, which is probably the like the most heavily used a satellite imagery. And, you know, basically just, I mean, satellites, IoT sensors, and then human input, like into computers and then using that data over time, based on like constructed scientific standards and like reference models uh, in order to, to generate ecosystem services and to define like what one is and where it starts, where it ends and like, yeah, have have defined standards around how that data is collected, but. The, the main point being that it's all, it's all computerized, it's all involving these large scale digital models um, and that you can't like, it just isn't possible to do this without that. Or there's no, it's not like, yeah.
1: They couldn't scale. Like if it wasn't automated it, 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 you couldn't do it at a global level. And, and that the standards are so central
2: no. yeah no. And, and since it's all based on quantification and measurement like it's just it has that has to be automated yeah like you just said you can there's not any room for this where it's you know i know i mean sometimes i've thought about like what would be is there like a positive way of doing something like this or you know because there is you know pe- we want to take care of the land obviously like everyone agrees with that. And yeah, just how do we do that? Or, you know, people just do it, a lot of people just do it. And that's like,
1: yeah, but it's Uh, trustless. but this is just like, it's, it's yeah, this is,
2: (laughs) yeah, trustless and completely devoid of, like, what we would call actual connection, or like intuitive connection, that comes from working on the land for, you know, years and years. And being able to feel the cycle, see things, it's just not stuff that can be um, reduced to data. But.
0: Yeah, I think that point, too, about like the fact that there are real problems that they're addressing, and that's how they, they hook people because, you know, you hear it and you're like, oh my gosh, so we got a train coming, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we did. there is a train, sorry. <laughs> uh, but that's the, the challenge that I've had is just like, you know, acknowledging the, the the real the real and very serious issues that we have with our ecology and with you know a lot of the issues that are you know purportedly being addressed here, and then you have like you know people from the left like ignoring like the fact that this is really centered around markets and it's really there's this technology and there's a lot of a lot of things that are just like about it that are just kind of I would argue fraudulent. Um, in the ideas that, uh, you know, again, the technology and the automation involved with with, with supposedly doing this is not ecological at all. <laughs> um, but the, but yeah. then you have people that, that are more conservative that just like dismiss the environmental concerns out of hand, and they say, oh, it's it's that. So it's it's like you end up like not getting people to come together and, and like actually a, a dealing with with the thing in all of its facets, you know definitely.
2: And I'd say like a big part of it too, is I think why a lot of people are hopping onto this is there's money, you know, it's like, you'll get, you're just getting paid for all you have to really do is sign, you know, some contracts and have a service provider, like use satellite imagery to look at your land and say how much carbon you sequestered or, you know, soil, um, like soil organic matters in there and these different measurements, like, and not really have to change that much of what you do in some big way and get paid for it. So there's just, you know, money for farmers or people that, um, like conservation groups or whatnot that just wasn't there before. And they don't really have to do all that much different besides just sign on to it. So it's hard hard to, you know, and and obviously there's very few, I don't I don't remember the numbers, but... Uh, Like small farms and stuff have been struggling for a really long time.
0: Well, then Allison talks a lot about like just the the gambling piece of all this. And so you get that whole gamify, you know, the gamification of it is is another aspect that, um, you know, the idea that there's this is going to be some pure thing is is pretty absurd i mean we already have a history you know of looking at you know carbon credits and and the the whole the markets i mean people have been talking about the fraud around that for a long time (laughs) you know that's not even a new thing
2: yeah but what's kind of hard too is that that's all that's always used as an excuse to like move deeper into the technology we need more
1: transparency yeah yeah more transparency
2: and better standards for the mrv is what's called the measurement um Ooh, measurement response and verification I think I have the arm messed up but um, it's basically the process of how carbon credits are um, like issued and verified and stuff and they're, they're always saying all these articles on the blockchain based ones are from Vera or gold standard which were two of two of the, um, two of the largest carbon credit standard agencies that it's like yeah we just need just need to make the mrv systems better and more transparent and then basically the whole thesis especially in like the crypto space is that the better data the better that the data is or more transparent and verifiable the more valuable it is
1: um, can i can i can so, you scroll back yeah. to those colors jason can we just leave it there mm-hmm. for a second sure go ahead Neil. i didn't mean to interrupt oh
2: no you're good uh what was i saying and that um yeah, which is sort of interesting too, from like an AI and machine learning perspective, is that the data that is more like that they can say is more concrete or more verifiable, has more provenance, is uh, more valuable computationally, is is interesting, and then also more valuable in terms of like in the markets and investors being having like confidence that that carbon credit is going to like withstand over time and isn't like double counted or
3: whatever
0: yeah well that was interesting just- the you know Allison brought up the Hedera uh, you know clip that we we have some of that stuff but it's um you know providence it was it was a big chunk of that as being able to you know we need to we need to know you know the order of of things uh, you know, who, who had what first, who said what first, but I mean that the Providence seems to be a pretty big, a big issue here.
1: It's a time machine. (laughs) Yeah. Prediction. It's it's the ledger, right? You can roll it back and roll. Yeah. Make predictive.
2: These data systems for all this ecological stuff is all about that, you know, having the data in space and time and how things have changed and the order of it throughout and people's interactions with
1: that that's yeah so well the reason i just (laughs) wanted to stop on like the this little section like with the base because you you talked about like developing the base layers you know like so there's i'm I'm sure there's depth of data right like they need a first pass to get the stuff on the blockchain or to get it documented and then over time like those layers of data deepen right and become more interconnected Mm -hmm. um and back when we did our series on the atomic ecologies and like the the beginning stages of like man in the biosphere. And and I always thought it was really interesting that, you know, at least back to the, when did that start? The seven, early seventies? I don't know if it predated that, if it came was like cold war um, bubbling up.
3: And,
2: yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, and so- and that it was the both, like it was, it's people situated in an environment. and within like the cybernetics because later on we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the collectivo some of the clips but i was really interested at one point he's like oh yeah no we're a cybernetics lab <laughs> and, like he pretty much just said he's like yeah no we're totally a cybernetics lab and i'm like oh my, like people don't even know what cybernetics is really um, but it's this interplay between humans and nature and then to me it feels like nature like this the gis stuff is almost the game board like they're laying out the yeah. game board in this moment of which we are tokens that'll be moved about you know, virtually or realistically on the game board. But the, it's a game board. And then also like what I saw with pay for success finance, and this was more around um, not the natural capital, but the human capital side, the whole, again, narrative construct being said, like we're going to get away from GDP like that's too limiting just to talk about money. Now we're going to talk about well-being. We're going to talk about happiness. We're going to put metrics on we and on the surface people are like great cuz like I'd like to feel cared about or I'd like for you to think, you know, care about what I think or my what my well-being is, but once you realize it's the baseline cost offset for all of these things. So, like what is the well-being of humanity in relation to how nature is being managed? Which yeah, of course. But then when you become a sensor and it becomes full of sensors, and then that's being managed cybernetically, it's really invasive. And then it becomes to me like this Bentham philosophic calculus, the the panopticon, right? Like, oh, we'll, we'll guarantee that we have trustworthy management of your happiness, but you have to live in the panopticon, okay? Like, that's the agreement, like yeah. sign on the bottom. Exactly. You know, we're, we're not even like, we're, we're not even giving consent at this point, but Anyway, that's why I wanted to talk about sort of as the game board, because you were really clear in your article about like, like developing the base layers and then looking at the flow of services through people into the environment.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, you got it. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I mean, with with how they describe it, it's like, and then the collectivo, which we'll talk about later, it's this, you know, it's usually hexagons too. Yes. And it's just like, okay, they, every... Every, the world is reduced literally to like settlers of Catan, <laughs> hexagons. and then they build the data on top of that and people's interactions and like the same, same idea of the cost offsets for um, like social impact finance and stuff. It's the same exact thing. And the ecosystem services, they need a baseline and like a reference layer. And then based on the changes to that or something else and that creates the the new service or you know the better data or
1: whatnot Well, and you know there's a weird logic to like how this plays out that i saw on the human capital side was that like in the education space they would have something called like slows (laughs) student learning objectives and so you would have like they had this whole thing where they would test children on material they hadn't learned to create the baseline when really it just oh. like stressed kids out because they didn't know it because they weren't taught it. And so they were stuck <laughs> on something they totally couldn't know and it made a crappy baseline. Right. And so, like, and I even remember like when my kid was in gym, like they would do a baseline before you had done any training of like running the, you know, mile or whatever. And then they would write that down. And so you, the, the incentive was to make the baseline as terrible as possible so that even a modest, slight, slightly less terrible thing would look really good. And and what I realized totally. like with the environmental on the natural capital side is like, until this thing goes in, like actually there's a huge incentive to devastate the ecosystems so that when you come in, like you could say, look, we improved it. Like, yeah, we we, we did cut that forest down five years ago, but look, now we're planting a whole bunch of eucalyptus or now we're, you know, whatever. And then like, yeah, exactly. we really messed up.
0: <laughs> yeah, the whole yeah, game, I mean, that's the like gamification the entire- of it, you know, that's, you know, go ahead i'll but i would oh I would no sorry like, i was
2: going to say what you're
0: yeah you got yeah just at this it'll i will i will always be gamified as long as there's a financial interest in there you know you know you want people to like care about the ecology because they care about the ecology you know you're never going to get there through some sort of carrot and you know the carrot and the stick, you're just never going to get there. (laughs) You know, you're always going to have people, you know, if there's money to be made, people are going to figure out a way to a way around that, leaving aside the fact that they're doing all this harm, (laughs) just creating the technology uh, to suppose, even if you gave it the benefit of the doubt that that it was actually for what they claim it's for, which it's, you know, I would argue it's not. But um, yeah, that's all I was going to say was like, yeah, gamified.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. And then uh, I was just going to add what you, you both can have already said, but, you know, it's like cities and shopping malls and all this stuff where we've just cut everything down already. <laughs> now you can make money by
1: planting Detroit. another
2: tree and then say, yeah, Detroit. And, and <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, now you can generate carbon cost offsets. for.
0: Well, I made a comment on it. There, the, there was a video where they, they were talking about, you know, giving people tokens for picking up trash. Uh, And and I was like, you know, I made the comment that like, yeah, people need need tokens in order to survive. You're going to see trash just that wouldn't normally be there just suddenly start appearing (laughs) at night that that they can come pick it up. You know, so people have an excuse. You know, I've spent a lot of time in the hood. (laughs) Kensington. (laughs) But, you know, just seeing all the, you know, people get creative and, and I don't, you know, you can't blame them or whatever, but people... People in those situations in order to survive come up with pretty clever ways to, to even on on that level to, to figure out ways to game game the system, which I don't blame them because they don't have, you know, they don't have any, you know, opportunity, real opportunities available to them. Um, but yeah, you're just, <laughs> yeah, the, the whole financial incentive thing is just not the, the way through. And that's the problem is like all of this is based on the assumption that games are good. You know gamification of life that markets and and you know the the economic system they're not actually addressing why we're in the position that we're in to begin with ignore the military the, the role that the military is playing in all of this you know that's the, the discussions about all these things it's it's out, absent that the fact that this is you know that then they're still there it wasn't just like the origins of it but the the, the military is still there behind the scenes
1: <laughs> well and yeah, i feel and like, I feel that's like the... The I was just going to say, like, that's part of what I was, like, the the, the inst- installation of uh, the space satellite infrastructure, like that happened during the Cold War, that's now like framed as like peace, right? Or, you know, that's the narrative that we we'll, like, oh, we, we, we did all of this stuff in space so that we can save the planet and yay. But like, it actually is just another form of warfare. <laughs> we just don't recognize it that yeah. way yet.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I think like one, one area where... The ecological stuff is more visibly, just a part of the whole military um, like framework. Is the risk analysis that like primarily the insurance companies are really involved with? So all this ecological data and like large scale simulations of you know the environment, the oceans, and weather and land and all that. That's all being used mm-hmm. as like to basically develop insurance contracts and deals for these natural assets and ecosystem services that now have a financial value to them, um, and so you see, like, it's not it's not in this article, but probably the the next one will come out will mostly be about the insurance industry and that whole paradigm. But what I'd written about in the past, the Matiga Solutions working with the Danish Red Cross on a Uh, volcano catastrophe bond, where they basically, Matiga Solutions was the uh, modeler, like the simulation maker to determine like what level of volcano eruption should elicit how much payment by the like insurance contract and creating all those thresholds and, and that sort of thing. And they work they just are a military contractor and like work, work with a lot of like mm-hmm. European uh, military industrial type organizations. They're also a part of. Um, they are sort of incubated out of Microsoft, the Microsoft uh, oh, Planetary Computer. They have like that whole initiative and. Uh,
1: wow.
2: Yeah. So that's there's so yeah there's there's a lot there.
1: Um, You know, this morning I was looking at this conductor platform, which is C-O-N-D-T-R-R, which is, it's actually very, it's, it's, they're so tricky because when you try to do an online search for it, they'll say, do you mean conductor O-R? Like, so I think they chose that name to actually make it difficult to search for because it's, it's actually kind of, it's not a name that, that shows up very easily. And, um, and it was really, you know, until you mentioned that about um, the risk, I went to their YouTube channel and I was looking and a lot of them were about risk management. So like that's military simulation risk modeling. But like I do wonder the extent to which the big insurance companies are like hand in hand behind the scenes with the military simulations and specifically some of the narratives. um, And I haven't watched the whole thing. There was like a two hour presentation, but they were talking about managing risk in terms of like activism. And one of the short clips They were, it was, they, they, again, it's supposed to be a crisis simulation model, right? Like none of these are, you know, the implication is like, they would never interfere in actual social media. All they do is like they create a sandbox to, you know, give to companies and the military to play out these scenarios. But you know, that's, that's the story they tell. Um, But one of the scenarios was specifically about like a, a beverage bottling company and activists protesting water. Like, like either I don't know, it was contamination of water or privatization of water, and then the whole sim- sim- simulation was how they would manage and contain activist sentiment against perceived like inappropriate corporate undertakings around water and natural water systems. In that, and and again, it was like very specifically managing the risk through social, like in the simulation. Um, to dampen down you know the activism but like you know if you if you substituted you know another you know branded you know red and white branded you know <laughs> soda company right that also does water like you could swap it out um, you know it's kind of fascinating to think about like they're so far ahead of managing us like we like activists and I I, I did it myself like when I first started doing my education work in like twenty six fifteen, sixteen, 16 I got a Twitter account and I thought I was being an activist but you don't you're not meant to know about these other like that this isn't our game like it never was our game it was always a military game so Anyway, I just it, it, when you said risk again, like I was like, oh, that was all over the stuff today. It was all you, risk modeling.
0: Should I bring up that clip? Yeah. I'm trying to. Well, I
1: don't yeah. want to interrupt Leo till he's done. Like no,
0: that's okay. Just... Oh yeah, no. yeah, we can come back.
1: Yeah, here. I mean, I'm at... okay,
2: yeah, I am curious because I didn't get a chance to check out the the conductor thing that you sent this
3: morning that
1: did yeah. seem... But I'll just say, Maybe like, since think. this image is up, like, essentially, yeah. again, their framing is that like. They're just creating like sandbox enclosed scenarios for companies and NATO and the military. <laughs> but that they, right. that they have um, like profiles and they have narrative arcs and this pattern of life and then you can see it's a very odd choice of this dna modeling that you have the facilitator who literally like i guess has eyeglasses on but looks like a bandit <laughs> you know it looks like she has a bandit mask on. <laughs> like at the keyboard little, little with the mask and then the, the player is at their own desk like interfacing with this like and there are cascading like cascades of events that happen depending on your decision tree so there are all it's like that's part of the risk modeling is like this situation comes up. Do you do this, this or this? And then depending on that, it's choose your own adventure, I guess. But if you imagine that being connected to a supercomputer um, in which it, this maybe comes out of the sandbox, isn't actually in the real world and is actually through managed uh, media campaigns, um, like and then it gets into the wild outside the hands of people, it's it's and, and, and the other thing is there, there were, one of the clips was talking about uh, activating an Amazon Web Services Internet of Things button, which I'm assuming is like an actuator in the real world. It didn't actually have much text, it was just short, but they, um, you know, I was trying, like, you know, clearly, because Amazon Web Services, same thing, right? Oh, they sell you books, but they're also a military database software, you know what I mean? Um
3: okay.
1: Like what happens when you're actually, life becomes the game? Like, that you're not at your desk, you're actually, you know, getting on an elevator and you have to have a swipe card, and then there's a Internet of Thing thing that either happens or doesn't happen um, in so, terms of access or no access. And yeah, so, and this is, yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, managed happiness and well-being. <laughs> But it could just yeah, as easily I mean, go out into the food forest and take pictures of the bananas, right? And then earn right. your, and your gamified credit by feeding that back into the, the impact verification DAO software.
2: Definitely. That makes me think of, too, like with that Red Cross, the volcano catastrophe bond that I just mentioned. It's about like a big part of it, too, was the response to the catastrophe and using... Um, Community currency, like essentially doing like catastrophe community currency as like, um, you know, disaster aid in those situations, which, you know, is pretty much this in a sense. Like there's a set of decisions and circumstances, you know, tied around digital technologies and responding to like life situations and stuff and then feeding that back into the uh, larger scale simulations. And that's like the thing with the Matiga solution stuff. It's not just simulations of like the environment. It's It has to be of the people and the economy too, because that's what they're simulating for. So it's, the, you know, man in the biosphere, it's people in the environment, and then like modeling the economy and the flows and the, you know, just the, yeah, the various, stuff that goes through and how that works and how a volcano erupting would change that. And then doing all the disaster aid and sort of like interventions based on that, which is funded by the insurance contract, which,
0: yeah. Yeah. And I just brought this video up too, just if if people want to, we, we talked about this about five months ago uh and so there's there's some pretty good information on this one it's called parametric insurance web 3 based surveillance of all things and this was uh allison leo and i uh and he had he'd done an article so i i recommend checking that one out as well yeah and
2: that's about what what i was just talking about too so it's the same
0: uh, right project all right so um Do we want to go into the, some more of the conductor stuff, or what do you guys think?
1: Uh, do you mind if I just do a little update on what I'm working on?
0: Yeah, and go for
1: it, it. kind of would be, like, I did did you have a chance to say, like, the main stuff, Leo, for your yeah,
3: article?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I, like, I think okay. that's, that's, that's yeah. pretty much it. There's something that came into my head that I think something I wanted to respond about what you said, but I don't remember it, so it's just.
1: Well, I think, so So what I've been working on, I have this series that's a bit scattered, like my brain, but I'm trying to pin it down so I can think about it better. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk today is just to be like, I have all these thoughts. (laughs) They involve web three and a lot of things. And um, yeah, so I have this series that I started. It's now, like I've written about 74 pages, (laughs) Um, but most of it isn't actually out. It's like, there's four sections. And essentially, like an, it was an article about uh, crypto and offshore finance and sort of corruption and online poker uh, that uh, Roel had written for Silicon Icarus. And I was it, at the time I read it, it triggered a lot of thoughts that I had about Cold War game theory and just thinking about like the history, historic, you know, we're talking about a lot about gaming, right, like gamification, but ultimately. Like I think it needs to be understood within the context of Cold War simulation modeling, like like high level applied mathematics and modeling, which you know we're entering a moment of ubiquitous sensing technology. That's kind of crazy the degree to which the modeling that they could do in 19 you know 45 and with their you know the Macy Cybernetics conferences and all of that, and like what they could do today. Um, and so I thought, wow. So the, the and the fact you know leo you've talked in a number of your articles and our conversations about that this data isn't just going for the finance part it's actually for machine learning too um so as we live in the panopticon we're actually training the prison to be a better prison kind of like you know or re, yeah. a, a more resilient uh less fragile anti-fragile uh containment device i guess is sort of you know and um so yeah, so this this series that I'm sort of in is looking at at poker and this idea of um, g- gaming and prediction and also about like decision theory and and then w- what this maybe, you know, attempting emergent artificial general intelligence thing needs, which is like to try to pin down human ingenuity, like spontaneity, creativity. It's it's um, And oftentimes I think it is all of that in us in relation to our environment, right? So it's not just it's us with one another, but it's also us with the natural system. And as best I can tell it, you know, this mechanical thing system, it it can only it can find patterns, it can replicate, it can mirror but it, it can't actually be. And I don't know, Leo, there was like one really, that one really good line, oh, about in your article. Can we bring up the article again for a second? Like it's yep. near the beginning about the, the, the fur and the fish.
2: Both leverage our deteriorating dance with the mountain, streams, ocean, fish, fungi, and fur to sell us a new rhythm. However, this new beat shaped by the doctrine of mathematics, is designed to channel our laughter, spontaneity, despair, and mundane routines into engineered circuits. These circuits project reflections of our movement, light, and thoughts in a digital version of reality. Fast computer networks, trillions of communicating circuits serve as the bones. By detailing the specifics of how this process is unfolding, we can begin to grapple with reality and face ourselves in the present.
1: Yeah. And I just, that's that, great. like, really hit home for me because, like, I think that's the piece that we hold on to, right? Like, it's trying really hard, um, but I don't think it's going to get to where this, I don't think it's going to be fully realized. Like, we shouldn't no. just sit back no. and not do it and not try to explain it to people, but, like, um, anyway, so that's like and one of the things i really wanted to talk about and maybe the next thing we could do jason and and it would be great like if you want to update people with sort of like where you're at in terms of like what you've been sort of thinking you know too um is the the interspecies game uh because there's an eight minute clip that really lays out one of the things i wanted to talk to people with you guys about is like developing a deeper like trying to find better ways to talk about Web3 in ways that go like beyond the, the cryptocurrency NFT conversations that so many people are having, especially around the FTX stuff, and then understanding it as cybernetics and as governance and as tokenization, both for a trans- translation of value, but also uh, signals, like using these tokens as a signaling process and the way in which this will weirdly mesh with like democracy, like remaking, reimagining what democracy and communal participation is, and reimagining possibly signals within like gene editing or frequency editing, like some sort of there's some sort of biochemical frequency based process. I think they imagine, like, our, as we emit our signal of like who we are, what we value, that there will be some intermediary process that will be enacted upon us, um, either with or without our perceived consent into this. So um, I think this interspecies game clip really touches on the narrative, which was what was so lovely, you know, in addition to laying out the particulars of Leo's in, in, intro to that series is that they're, they've got a story in their back pocket and they're, they're hitting it pretty oh. hard. Right. And, and, and they're, they're going to take you down the road so far that you're not like, if, if you're not aware, it's going to be hard to get back. And it's a road that they've managed that's going the same place as the, you know, BlackRock, IBM, you know, Department of Energy, DARPA, you know, EU, yeah, whatever exactly. road, the same road. It's like, a they're gonna take you down the primrose path, let me just say. And um, <laughs> if we at least uh, sort of say, or the Aconite path, maybe that's the the, the crazy gaming studio. Aconite. Um, yeah, the Aconite path, don't go down the Aconite path. Um, uh, yeah, stay like, Dandelions, like like the dan like find the path. Like, like yeah. my mom sent me this card. Isn't this so sweet? Aww. Oh,
3: that's cute. Dandelions.
1: So, anyways, yeah. So, oh, should I'm we
0: like, play-, play? Yeah, let's. I haven't it's seen. Game. I haven't actually watched this yet. So, yeah, let's. Oh,
1: okay.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's a it's a good time to good. Yeah. So, I do. I
1: don't think we need to do all eight minutes straight through. Like, let's do a couple minutes and then pause and see what we like. Maybe do a round robin of what we heard. Okay, and it's yeah. just for an intro, so so Leo and I, gosh, was it like last summer? We did um, this was part of a debrief we um, we did for uh, the Silicon Icarus podcast, and it was it, that podcast touched on a number of different things, but like this was I think the core thing we wanted to talk about was uh, an interactive game uh, centered in ostensibly parks. Now at the time there was a medium article about this. And I, at the bottom, there was a, a clip for essentially a pitch. They were sort of pitching their project to Sovereign Nature. Uh, this is Curve Labs, and maybe Levo, you could say something about that, and Weave. They were pitching part of a pitch team, and I guess they got funding to do an implementation pilot. And um, so when I went back, I pulled this short clip of their their pitch, and it, re- it really, to me, speaks to, um, again, the intersection of, uh, financialization of nature, but according to the Primrose Path narrative, uh, democratic participation, uh, the perception of commoning, but actually like privatizing the commons, and like behavior management and gamification. And against this backdrop, and before we start, maybe Leo, you can say something about um, Curve Labs and your next phase of work and Trent McConaughey. But uh Trent McConaughey of Ocean Protocol was one of the judges. He he doesn't show up in this clip, but he there's this is part of a two hour presentation with a number of different teams. And I, I think he was one of the judges. And and a lot of these people are based in in and around Berlin. So oh, that's my intro and okay.
0: Yeah. And then if when you yeah. want to cut to talk just to let, let, me know let me
1: our... Leo say a couple things about uh like uh, curve labs.
0: Yeah. So Curve
2: Labs, like, yeah, yeah. No, um, they. Well, I'd say like the. If you go to their website, the first thing in like big letters that that comes up says, "We build digital souls," and they also, (laughs) yeah, and they describe themselves uh, as like essentially a cybernetics laboratory, or they literally use that those words. Um, And they're in part funded by. I know they've gotten funding from. The EU Horizon twenty twenty initiative, but they're basically like a Web three. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, like a, a Web three lab that work on a number of different projects, and one of the one of the ones they're involved with quite heavily is called Collectivo, which is basically the Web one of the um, Web three projects that does all the all this ecological asset tokenization and governance and like local economic systems and, um, selling carbon credits and other like ecological data. And like the, they're very much representative of like the web three side of the whole ecosystem services paradigm. So curve labs is building that. And then they're also, yeah, highly involved in like cello, which, which I'd written about quite a bit which is also very representative of the the web3 side. But,
1: yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I'll just say like I have I have a friend who was very interested in the medium article because they're actually in it it doesn't come, although the guy has like a star thingy come off of his head so that's a bit odd. But like <laughs> there's um the medium article has a lot more esoteric sort of language like they're literally talking about doing rituals in the park and i don't know do you say sigils like sigils sigils and oracles and rituals and and is this it you know yeah that's it um you know if if you read through there's there's quite i mean when i I first read it i was like whoa this is a little this is a little strange it's centered on a tree of life uh so that has its own sort of um you know but the tree of life essentially is a Tao, like what they're talking about it isn't a real tree it's it's an organization that is structured as a tree. And so um, she was very interested in this. Um, and so she sent it to her like a relative who was sort of a systems architect at, at a, you know, a high level computing firm in Seattle, you know, someone who knew his way around the block, you would think. And he's this this person responded like, well, we took it or looked at it around our office and we did not know what to make of this at all. We think it's a joke. Like, we think this just must be an April Fool's joke or something like this is dumb, like it's dumb. It's a joke. And and I think and this is this is someone who would consider themselves an expert. And I think then it's a challenge because, again, look, it has 52 followers. Like you look at some of these things like Protocol Labs and and their YouTube channels have, you know, 5000 subscribers or like 200 views on a video. It's not the IBM. Right. It's not Andreessen Horowitz. It's not. Blackstone. And yet, I feel like these are the people who are weaving the infrastructure and doing all of the pilots so that like, when the time comes, it will all be going online, and it is very well connected. So, um, you know, it's a that's why it's so hard to have these conversations is because people just write it off like, well, that's not IBM, or that's not this, and they don't realize behind the scenes, there are these larger connections. So
0: yeah. And that's the challenge. Yeah, too, they, they, they are funded it.
2: by Andreessen Horowitz. Yeah, okay.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> they are a main, a main investor in, in Cello, and they get okay. grants. Surprise.
1: Celo, so yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I, I said, like, did they not look it up? Like The first thing, if I saw something odd that I wasn't familiar with, like in my industry, like I would look up who these people are or who's funding them or like curious right like i would be curious if some if there's this new technology but literally and and this is something i i kind of touched on in the, the series i'm working on is i feel like they have gamed this out like 10 20 years out and so each of these episodes is set up to usher in the next phase of the plot and so like the 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 crypto the bitcoin the crassness the corruption uh all of that is meant to then fall away and then say, well, it's just a tool. We could use it for good. We could use it for the commons. And like, it's not, the tool is neutral. This is a neutral tool. And look, those people, either they were misguided or they were corrupt or what have you, but we can use the tool in this way, like here, follow me and I'll show you how we do it. And, and um, if, if, you, if you don't have a larger understanding of the sensor networks, doing all of the data verification are ultimately a cybernetic military mind control game like you're going to miss it
0: <laughs> and by the way i i highly recommend allison's working on a new series she's up to part four uh how many parts are there going to be <laughs>
1: might be 15. F- i 15? have like oh 15. <laughs> <laughs> one five. Uh, i've got no- 14 written and i have there's probably two more yeah
0: it, I mean, it's kind yeah, of a long, really it's interesting. It's kind of a long read, but there's a lot of information in there and it's, it's, I highly, highly recommend it.
1: Um, well, I would say too, like in, so, you know, it's interesting because I've gotten to know there's like what's presented in the media and even in the alt media and then what the real story is. And so when the FTX Alameda research stuff happened, like I looked at. Sam Bankman Fried, and I'm like, you know, it's not him, like he's a kid, like he, I mean, no offense, but he didn't even have a master's degree. Like you don't, these firms, like to be an entry level quant at these high level firms, like you have to be like a top tier applied math PhD, right? So none of this stuff made sense unless it was always meant to fall apart. And I didn't realize his connection to, um, that the Center for Effective Altruism. And 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 we can talk about this a, a little bit later on but if you can scroll back up Leo to, I mean uh, Jason to show that that so that is their logo for the Center for Effective Altruism it's a heart and it's in a, contained within a light bulb all right and so I think a lot of what they're doing with cybernetics now is what they call bottom up organizing And using, and it's fractal, so it's everything from like a bacterial cell to human beings as agents in a collective. And they're using electricity, like electromagnetic frequency, to catalyze and organize behavior into like this complex systems that come into like emergence as an organism. And so... Like when we think about cello, when we think about these sensor networks, I think it's really important to understand that it is like an electro, like an electro communication signaling that is being used to steer and direct um, individual units into some organized fashion, um, and the, the fact that that all a lot of the FTX people had this affiliation with the Center for Effective Altruism, which is they're they're based in, in, um, and he, Sam Bankman freed worked there for just two months and it's on his LinkedIn. Like, you know, who would work anywhere for two months and put it on your LinkedIn? I don't know. Maybe in the crypto space, two months is not so such a short amount of time, (laughs) but you know, um, you know, shows shows I'm showing my age, but he like it's in Oxford, but it's highly networked in Silicon Valley too. Like, I think it's actually the, the, uh, 990 NGO registration is in Berkeley or something like that. Um, But it's centered in a building with uh, like the uh, AI governance and Nick Bostrom's uh, Future of Humanity Institute. And so it's charity situated within AI governance, big data analytics, and like forecasting of this quote unquote like long termism of like how do we navigate next gen, like. What like the coming singularity? I think is what they're talking about. So nested within that, like uh, Eric Eric Drexler, who is a, like one of the fathers of uh, the na- molecular engineering and nanotechnology, like he's embedded in all of that stuff. Like I mean, Eric Dre- like everybody should have been looking over there. Like what's going on with Eric Drexler and Nick Bostrom and and like the the woman um, Drexler's original organization called the Foresight Institute. Uh, Is now run by this woman, Ellison Dudeman, D U E T T M A N N. And so she's running it out of San Francisco. And like, she's Eric Drexler's sidekick, and she's pitching to Protocol Labs, like all of these emerging technologies, all of the emerging. And I'm like, what is going on, people? Like, yeah like it wasn't Sam Bingman freed as the the focus, it was all the stuff going on behind and like what is the intersection of all of this stuff but in the name of charity, like because he, you know his nickname was evidently the Bentham of crypto, right? And it is scientific management of charity which is the cybernetics, but they're in it for the whole game. They don't wanna just engineer people, they wanna engineer people and the environment, which is why the natural cap, capital asset Natural asset class. Yeah, natural know. assets, yeah.
2: natural capital. Yeah, don't yeah. either and, one. And the human
1: capital, the like interface, because they're at this point, it's the whole gambit. Like the ga- they the the mm-hmm. goal is to gamify the world from space. So anyway, so
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All set. Well, let's uh, let's start this. Uh, just let me know if oh, uh, yeah, sure. when, when you want to stop, and, and I'll uh, and I'll stop, and we'll chat.
4: Um, thanks for having us a little disclaimer on our side interspecies games are fused between curve labs and weave teams so uh, our presentation is going to be at hyperspeed little forgiveness for that at this interspecies games we think financializing or tokenizing nature is not sufficient enabler for sovereignty on the contrary this approach risks the new creation of algorithms of extraction Uh, Thus we think agency must be embedded in internet relationality of species and their environment We propose playing into existence a new paradigm of a networked agency of interspecies context Nature doesn't need our charity. We need more robust and convivial forms of engagement to create new relations of solidarity Between humans and nature that would foster interspecies engagement and coordination towards the realization Okay
1: so like this is his pitch and I I mean I like Jason, are you like do you have thoughts about some of the languaging here cuz I mean it's interesting like conviviality right like like he's posing this as not extractivist like this mm. is the opposite of extractivism like what's coming is that we go and we we participate in this game like we almost create and it through argu- the game
2: this argument for saying it's not extractivist is by like letting people be agents.
1: <laughs> yes. Sovereignty. That's, like, that's
2: digital Yeah, that's like digital identifiers and letting them
0: Well and then he's like I well, mean it's like, absurd.
2: It's, it's letting them be the it's it's even deeper extractivism.
0: Yeah, for sure. And he's like nature doesn't need our charity and but that's it's I mean I I'd agree with that statement, but that's you know, there's yeah. I'm but still it's trying market.
1: To... Like this is all right. about like a market and, um, you know, and this imagery is very interesting. I I mean, it's in, it wasn't on the medium article like this, this particular, some of these visuals. Um, but it does have this weird feeling of some of the like weird AI blended.
0: Yeah. I don't get what, I don't even understand what the, what the meaning behind that is.
1: Well, I mean, I I think that seems like the veil. Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: like behind the veil, like the, both that you yeah. on the tarot cards.
0: Like, Open the door of your mind. Yeah, uh,
2: sim- sim- uh, <laughs> symbolic of like the, you know, deep unconscious.
1: And it's almost like the pineal gland or whatever, like on the back, like the portal, right? Like they want direct access to the, the that innermost knowing. Um, yeah.
0: Which
2: he has on his oh. forehead.
1: I know that's interesting, right? Oh my gosh! And then, um, I mean, clearly the butterflies are metamorphic, um, and I don't know that. I mean, the, some of those fronds, not all of them, but the one on the left looks a little bit like a ginkgo, like leaf, a little bit. Mm.
0: Oh Just
1: yeah. That one. Um,
0: are there again, music it's a, it's-
1: notes it's in there, here. or is that? Is what?
0: Uh, I was trying to see if those were music notes coming on her cheeks. I don't know. Maybe it's. Oh more, no! Yeah, it kind
2: like, of looked
0: like it, but I don't know. I was,
1: but yeah, yeah it's
0: definitely interesting imagery.
1: <laughs> well, and and again, the words like they they know what we're gonna say. Like, oh no, we're not doing the extractivist. Kind of, we're doing participatory, right? And I, and I think that's for for me. If we understand this as energetic signaling, like they need our consent to play, right? And and to me, like they don't necessarily we're not going to know all of the ga- the nature of the game when we pick up the tokens to play and i feel like in some ways that's the crypto space that there's an energetic hold on people who have crypto it doesn't mean they're bad people but like once they engage in the game of crypto that their head their energetic field gets hooked into something bigger like there's like a like an energetic hold that comes with that and but that's not going to be everybody like not everybody's going to be participating in digital currency at least at the first stage so there's also the digital voting which is something I, I haven't had a chance to go into but that was another piece of my series was looking at creating betting markets on having broad-based participation on voting and what we'll see here uh, later on in the, the clip they talk about people making suggestions for resource allocation in the quote-unquote park, which is really a DAO, a decentralized organization. People make a suggestion and then votes happen on whether or not to approve, approve a proposal, which is, to me, very—it looks very similar to the Gitcoin uh, structure, like the Gitcoin grants, um, the same kind of thing. And so this idea yeah, of participation, like it needs our consent. And then once we give our consent to it energetically, we're connected into the superorganism.
2: It's like consent and motivation, like wanting people, you know, they need people to be excited and want to, it's like, a, oh, yeah, we get to choose our, how to <clears throat> spend, spend on, on the park or collecting that all together to, you know, things that go will go off to places that you have no idea. Yeah, sad.
1: well, and, and, and I would say, like, as we're listening to it, because some of it, what they're asking is for you to go and find things and then feed them back to the tree of life. OK, like go get images, document the, the environment and bring it back to this tree of life, which is actually a DAO, which is a machine. It's not actually a tree. It's something else that they're calling a tree. And to me, this appear this feels like like within the ant computer phase is there's like scouting. So there are, there are certain ants that go and then they, they scout out the environment and then they find resources and they bring it back and then they tell the others. And so it to me, this feels like an agent-based modeling of like scouting behaviors um, for a non-living thing, <laughs> like for something that we've agreed. And then again, the peer pressure, like you said, it's not just a game, but it's a game probably played with people. In community, and so that's even stronger. Like you even have a stronger connection from the peer pressure and like the self reinforcement of doing it with others.
0: So, have you watched the whole thing? Because I see that it's a hackathon, so that it's pitches, teams pitches and demos. Did was this a winner? Uh, you know how that works. The hackathon. You know that's what 8th Denver is in part as a hackathon. So right. they have all these people come in and they pitch. They code things and then they pitch an idea. Uh, so this is one of the, this is one of the groups that we're pitching or, or was, yeah, saying, uh, okay.
1: I mean, I'm not a hundred percent sure, like what the deployment, what was, but they, I mean, there was an article written about it. And okay. so, you know, but it, it, it's a useful use case, even conceptually as a white paper concept, because it, it draws together a lot of these ideas about m- money, voting, standing, community, nature.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Which
2: they're doing in all sorts of other projects too, not necessarily in this like ritualistic version, but pretty much the same thing with ecological assets and collective management. But see, this is bond. a story.
1: Like yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the thing that I think is in that I'm realizing more and more because I kept saying, you know, they want our stories. There's a lot of emphasis on story, on culture, on art, like you'll see later, part of the game is that when you collect a bug, you're supposed to write it a poem. Now that's kind of weird. Like there's something going on there with the machine learning that like, I'm not against poetry, I love it. I don't think I would write a poem to a bug whose picture I just took on an app. Like there's some reason they're asking for a poem. Like they want something that is this human intuition, like fed into this thing. So I think the, the artwork the drawing you into like a you're a participant in fixing the problem like it's it it, it, so much of the like resistance space to me seems really focused on they're going to beat you down and make you eat bugs and fort and like and i'm like i'm not saying they're not going to do any of that but like they would rather just invite you and have you do it because you want to
0: Mm -hmm. well we were talking earlier about like the chat gpt and and all the the ai art And I was at a friend's house, uh, was it last? No, it wasn't last night, it was the other night. and and he was real excited about the chat gpt and he was the art and so he was like oh say say just say something you know just say whatever comes off your head you know and he was like so he's like we put it in and you put it into different things and then the, the 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 ai generates a piece of art based on that and then, and there's a there's like a feed of, of other people's work that's just like popping through through a feed and so you put it in and, and then wow. yours is added to yours is added to the feed so he's like shoot i hate i, have, I hate that then i have to scroll back and find mine or whatever but like you were talking about like uh, you said something this morning about like you know, like it just it wants it wants what's on our mind, and and I was thinking about that in terms of, that's that's what it was. It was just like what's, just what comes to it's your like, mind. I, say yeah. say the first thing that comes to your mind, and actually in psychology they have a there's actually a whole therapy where they do that, like the word association. There, there's you know where they
3: like graphic profile. I
0: I say something and you just say whatever comes to your mind, and they they can like psychoanalyze you based on this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. well imagine.
1: <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. well, and the other thing is like, part of what I'm trying to come to terms with, and like, I don't really know what I'm talking about. So I'm just trying to kind of talk it out loud and see if I can make it make sense. But like, Drexler was like, one of his most recent projects was working on a language for intelligent machines. And you know, what I've realized, because you know, I'm here in Philly, and with Penn is that there's a lot of stuff about organizing information, right? Like Leo, like we've looked at like Garfield and the the what is the Vannevar Bush is it Memex I can't remember yeah, like yeah. idea and then this project Xanadu Ted Nelson and like Penn, I didn't un- re- like fully comprehend that they had uh, Rand evidently so you know one of the first like I don't, I don't know what kind of computer like ENIAC was among the first big computers in World War II and. um Von Neumann like advised on it and it was it actually built out at Penn and, and then later transferred to Aberdeen. So we, we have this weird computer history. And then after the during the Cold War, like in the 50s, Rand threw off like one of their high power computer things to, and gave it back to Penn. Uh, and it was used for a computing system, not just for engineering, but for psychology and language, linguistics. So, so Penn for a very long time had this like computational ling- structural linguistics programs, and then like high level linguists and, you know, I can't remember his name is Zelig Harris. And then he taught a number of people, including Noam Chomsky and Ted Nelson of Xanadu. And so, and I think Garfield might have like spent time at Penn. So there, there's this deep history of like, how do you organize like cognitive neuroscience? How do we think about things? How does language help us think about things? How do we communicate? And once we get to these high level computers that can like, and we get everything on blockchain and it's across time and space in quantities that no human can fully comprehend because of the vast amounts of data, supposedly like AI is gonna be able to sift through that and do sense making of that in ways that are not innate to human experience because it's at such a vast scale that it's just not transferable. So,
3: right.
1: So on the one hand, if there are different machine learning algorithms out there, they have to talk to each other about like, well, what did you find? Well, well, I found this, what did you find? And what do we do with it? And then there is some weird way that like, once it has a concept that it's communicating, it's like, well, what do we do now? Maybe we should send that, make some sensors do some things. And then, they, then they, how do they talk to the sensors? And so, and what does that even look like? Because I think what they're trying to do is build a language outside of biology, like build a language because Noam Chomsky's like frame was a universal grammar. And what he said was that like language is innate to humans and it's sort of part of our biology. But I feel like once we give it over to DAOs and blockchains, it will have its own language outside of what does that look like? And and you know, Riser, when I was looking, you know, at World Brain, he's talking about music. Like maybe music is the global language. Uh, could it be like an annotation? Could it be like this these directed acyclic graphs? Could it be like and I don't know, but I think it would look like something that's not anything we would understand as language. And that maybe this, this chat GPT, these ideas of having a personal advisor is like a step down, right? Like you can't understand what the AI knows, but there's some intermediary that will like break out what the AI knows about and then bring it to you in a way that you can comprehend it in some way or that is some way actionable. And then possibly the step down into the sensor networks that then change the world. Um, and make, manipulate us as programmable matter. So anyway, so yeah. I was thinking music, I'm thinking pheromones, I'm also thinking art, because I, I feel like art, like we were just kind of deconstruct what the heck is up with that woman's face? Like, what is that saying? And so like, I don't know, I was also thinking like, Wait, yeah. paper, like they're, they're, it conveys a lot more than just a word or a sentence.
2: So let me, if if, if I could try to, or If rest- <laughs> rest- no. I think I understand what you're trying to say, basically, what, what what the language that with the focus on like computational linguistics and art and mm. psychology and all these other different things that you wouldn't necessarily associate with like intense computing or people wouldn't yeah go there first. Um, could be in part and part of the attempt to help essentially like catalyze how AI algorithms and computer systems can communicate when they're dealing with these, like,
5: you know, um,
2: unfathomable amounts of data and like computation on them. Yeah. Yeah, that
1: makes. I feel like some of it, maybe even like the synthetic telepathy, like, Mm -hmm. um, like you know, I got this book by John Lilly. I didn't. Lilly was also at Penn. Like he started at Penn, and then then he got went over to the NIMH. But um, he was the one who was doing all the ketamine and isolation chambers and communing with other energetic intelligences. But later. Anyway, he had many near death experiences and they said, Okay, this is your last time. And then he went and like worked with dolphins. Oh, yeah. But it was echo like it was like the dolphin language, right? And so yeah. I feel like a lot of this this idea this quest for like psychical communication beyond language isn't just like, Hey, Leo, I'd love to like talk to you, but I don't want a phone, you know, in Vermont while I'm sitting here. But it's actually how do how would we interface with a high level like something that thinks in structurally different ways than we're prepared to think within our biology. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that's what they're trying to figure out. Like, but I don't know what it looks like. Does it look like art? Does it look like a composition? Does it look like a, does it seem like a pheromone? It's like a signal that communicates a richness of a concept beyond what we can like process. Wow.
2: Yeah. I mean, I feel like you see some of that in with in blockchain and like node operators, and like, when people are running nodes that comprise the network, they're like, really, you know, and you can see it and you have like streams of information and different things going on. It's like, you're, you're kind of interfacing with the like the the, the movements and the energy of that of that blockchain as it changes and responds and transactions or, or something weird happens oh, or weird. some like bugs that TV
1: and stuff. Show. What was that, t- what TV, what was show? that TV show that, that stuffers like I was like that set in the office and they're the one that's at Bell Labs, like the main the headquarters. And what I've told totally oh,
0: separation I or no, it was like.
1: where um, your brain severed severed severed, severed?
0: severance severance. severance, severance. Yeah.
1: yeah, but like they're yeah. put in a thing and they're the numbers. And they said, you'll find it. It'll be scary. The numbers will be scary. Just look. And like, she looks for like weeks and she doesn't see anything and it's just numbers. And they're like, you'll find it. It'll be the scary number. And then one day she's like, oh, there it is. Like, but like, you can't like, you're looking at Michelle, you don't look that those numbers look scary, but like, there's, there's like an intuitiveness about that. That's interesting to think. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, and again, like, there's how do we interface with it and then how does it interface like different intelligences and then within the sensors and and then the language because some of it like i'm thinking of the concentration on the biodiversity credits (laughs) like the rainforests were central to like complexity theory like when john holland developed genetic algorithms like his core thing was saying like rainforests are this amazing complex system because it's due to the amount of rain, the soil is actually weirdly diminished of minerals. And so it finds different ways through like cupping of leaves and water management and like the little things that live in the pools of the water in the trees to recycle nutrients in non-traditional ways than like you would like, you know, know, a Lancaster County farm meadow or something. It, It functions differently in very complicated ways. And so like, imagine they've got their sensor networks and they're training up in a machine intelligence. Like you would want something with as much richness of data as possible. I would think if, if your aim is to have the most complex language, you would go to the place that was the most complicated, like in terms of totally. life forms. So um, like, and I, I don't know how it all goes together yet, but I'm just like finding these logical parts. Like if it's, and then how would the sensors then enact the uh, execution function onto the environment based on the AI? And like, would we be anywhere in the loop or are humans like out of the loop? Like would be, we, we'd be like, you know, here's a step down, here's choice A, B or C for the sensor network based on the AI says you should do this to your farm field. And then you yeah. choose A, B or C or does like, are you just like, you know, yeah, you're just doing, like doing other True. like park rituals and it's doing this stuff to the farm.
2: I, I think for now, a lot of it, especially maybe a little bit unlike the mass industrial agriculture, I bet a lot of it would be doing it itself. The like they, they have, yeah, they have autonomous tractors and, you know, all these things that, you know, they're probably a lot closer to fuller automation. But in, as far as like the conservation or like the food forest yeah. of the, um, collectivo and stuff, I think it would be a lot more like the ABC, you know, they get okay. all this information, here are the pathways you have to go in order to stay within the standard, the standards of maintaining wellness in the forest and that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, no, how, yeah. I think what I would want to do for, like thinking about what, what you're talking about, I would need to look like, I guess like, is it, with the machine communication, it's still like it's it's still based in binary mathematics, right? For now, like yeah. is that? I I would want to like learn a bit more about how. Um, yeah, like how information is sent from satellites and to to other sensors and stuff, and like those mechanics yeah. in order to get more of a grasp on how that sort of a more essentially like mechanical thought forms would be constructed and then seeing how they would want to use how to interface us with that essentially.
1: Well, like I was looking at two papers and again, I don't claim to understand, like, I don't do really high level math, but I think I can think sort of in broader strokes and like how it like would need to work. And then, but like, so one of them was like the large large pheromone ant project. This was like 2006. And they were, they were looking at like a, di- <clears throat> a more centered intelligence versus distributed, and it was nodes. And that the ants would go to the nodes, and then they would sample what was the information at the node, and then they would sync their data if they had new data. And then it was like a sampling behavior, so that like quickly all of the data went to all of the nodes. Um, And so, like, again, what does that look like in terms of, like, sampled, like, is it just sequences of numbers? Um, And then, uh, and then the other piece was weighting some of these ant foraging behaviors among the nodes with, I guess, like a, like the pheromone and the stigmergy, so that it was almost like depositing, in depositing information, it was like making music. Now. Now, now, my friend in the Netherlands said this, Allison, that's not music, that's data. Like, it's different, like MIDI versus I don't really understand all that. But he's like, it's not actually music, but they were interpreting, like, the, da- the, the pathway as a data signal. Which is interesting now that I think about it, because way back in the day when I was still at Bartram's Garden, like in 2013, we had people come into the garden and do this data garden where they were trying to, like, collect the frequencies of plants and make them into music. Like digital Whoa. music, yeah. like with sensor networks, and it was like you know again one of these fringe art things, which it seems like there's a whole lot of stuff buried in these fringe yeah. art things. Like when you show up, you're like, oh, Ten years later, that's what that was about. Um, but it's like, like, almost like mixing like sensory information. Like how do you sense data? Like how do you how do you make it sensible? Um, so anyway, we don't we should probably keep going with the video, but anyway, these are the oh, things yeah, that
3: I'm
1: fine we... <laughs> because I think about it. I'm like, why are they doing biodiversity? Like we know it's not just cause they wanna save the planet. There's something there that they want. Like they want that data of the bio be- because of maybe it's complexity.
3: Yeah.
2: Okay. So... Yeah. Well, I mean, that's literally like with the, um, the life watch Eric and uh, the naturalis and like what's going on in the Netherlands, how am I, Arise, yeah, sorry, the Arise project where they're mapping, all, trying to map all multicellular organisms in the Netherlands, and then in a, what they call bio cloud, which is basically getting all the, you know, all of the types of data that they can get from like radar, the cameras, or um, sound, like mating call or whatever, and then making that, machine computable and then they're I think I think it's the Lumi supercomputer that they're using.
3: Oh so right, it's the all one in Barcelona. Being,
2: hmm. Well that's a different one. I but that's that's different. Matiga solutions. Yeah. There's another <laughs> supercomputer that's coming. they all online. house in cathedrals yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Yeah, that that, that one's a, that's a crazy image. But yeah, so I mean it's kind of like you think
1: about it's like, just
2: like that. Like, it's put, making all the complexity computer like, you know putting it straight into the AI you know, in right. order to... Like, the,
1: and you don't have to drill it into your brain, but like we lived for three years under the rule of, a data, of data dashboards, right? So that kind of is a language, right? Like that was a language mm-hmm. of big data. Like someone took a data set and they said, this is the story we're going to tell with this data and it tells this story. And thus the yep. entire world has to align to the story that we're telling with the data this way. And yep. so like a lot of the infographics, the data, like that it feels to me like that's the beginnings of the interface of how we convey and like why there's such a push for data analysts because actually they'll be the linguists of the AI. Like that, that's what the data analyst will be. It will be a language. And then it will be a language that tells a story, right? And so they wanna invite us into the story that they're telling with their data, even though that we know that there's probably, you know, in most cases, multiples, if not dozens of different stories you could tell with the same data. But with the, the you know, the, the solidity of it, they'll say this is fact. You can't contest this data. It's our story. You have to be in it. You know.
0: Right. Yeah. Definitely a narrowing down, too. <clears throat> okay. I'll play some more of this. Of a not
4: only human regenerative economy. How to activate a new we, a new collective consciousness we.
3: that, a new that we. allows us yeah. to summon
4: and perpetuate an interspecies agency. We want to move from an atomized understanding of charity as the modus operandi for impact towards a relational one, where transformation happens at the edges, unleashing viral dynamics. Our approach draws on okay, the theory of social choice
1: edges as opposed to classical
4: reason. game theory.
1: Like, I wish I had this written down because there's a lot packed into this little thing. Like, so he he's saying social choice theory. So again, that's the decision th- theory, um, and he's also talking about emergence, not in the nodes, but at the edges. And so to me, that feels like that sort of, again, at the border of the the order and chaos, that emergence yeah. is what he's talking about. When
0: well, um, the whole thing we were going into with the Voronoi, you know, it was all about, you know, lining up where those edges are and mapping that out. Like the edges were really important.
1: Yeah. And even like the, some of the wording, like summons, like we're gonna summons the thing, you know? <laughs> Okay.
4: From node oriented systems to edge oriented systems, as we try to articulate peer influence as a multi-species paradigm. We seek to reformulate okay. human like, nature. False dichot-
1: like the, the peer influence, I think mm. like, and that's the cybernetics in some ways, like, cause they, they want, and I think to me, this feels somewhat like, like the soul bound tokens, like the metadata tags. And and even like they want to make everything machine readable so that it's not just you individually, it's you as a collective. That is where the more interesting data, like you as a collective of people, you as a human with agent within an ecosystem of many other beings. And it's right. it's that that p- pressure back and forth.
2: Yeah, like making a, a multi, multi-species with said. what was the exact phrasing, peer? Yeah, like multi-species peer relationship, like making the other species agents in the system, and then mapping computationally our our relationships with them as a part
3: of, like you said, that. Yeah.
0: We also think about the concept of the reputation economy. You know, the idea, like that. You know, you're all about your. It's all about your reputation within the community, within the system. And and how that's you know going to be tokenized, but you know that's the whole peer thing
1: yeah, yeah, well, and that's a lot about the voting too like and are you a good member and member in good standing um and I would say you know, Leo, looking back at the ledguard um articles you know about the animal wallets like yeah. on the surface if you didn't have if people didn't have this background of like this new paradigm of being in the world as a game with peer-based like non-human living forms all being on blockchain, that just seems really far out, right? It like, I mean, even for me knowing a lot of it, when I read it, I was like, you've gotta be kidding me, really giraffes (laughs) like a wallet? Like what are they gonna do with the wallet? But if everything is like, like, are fungi gonna have a wallet? Are they gonna like have like, and for how yeah, they much will, of
3: it? the
1: floating body will have a wallet and then the underground part will have a wallet or they all get the same wallet. Like, I mean, where do you draw a boundary of like life?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's like with all of it, it's like the, the innate psychosis of it. Is that like drawing, I mean, just the, the beginning of it, drawing hexagons to make the game board.
1: Arbitrary, not, Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's all arbitrary. So it's all arbitrary. And then they'll make arbitrary decisions that don't work out. And then they'll change them into something that they can argue is more reflective of what it should be. And then they just continue that process, which is like, you know, like what they do with the carbon credits. Oh, it's bad. They're bad carbon credits. So we need better carbon credits. Let's do this. Yeah. I had a.
0: I don't know how you guys. You know, I like some of his stuff, but whatever. Uh, Alan Watt, uh, the the Buddhist guy. I had a clip where he was mm-hmm. talking about you know like the people that map things out or the people that are more concerned about the representation than they are like the actual reality. And he was just pointing out how like the the city of San Francisco, how they laid out the streets. And he's like, you know, you have these, you know, these hills and you have these really dangerous, you know, they have the roads going straight up the street because they they looked at a map. They looked at a flat map and then they just mapped it out in like in this grid form, which was completely disconnected from the actual landscape. (laughs) So I was just thinking about that in terms of your, the gridding, the gridding of the the hexagon, the the hexagonal maps but that goes back i mean that let the mapping of of africa or where you know you name it where there's not really any consideration of the people that are there or the you know the culture or (laughs) whatever Uh, but it's a continuation of of that kind of mentality although they're trying to they're you know they're going to refine it they're going to make it more scientifically and mathematically accurate supposedly you know
1: well, and I, th- I think the a- the thing of agency and sovereignty is so important. Like this sovereign nature because like I felt bad about all of like the sovereignty discussion from the beginning of the lockdowns. Like, you know, I was, you know me, Jason, I was pushing back on John Bush and Derek, like from the beginning on their sovereignty talk on their freedom cell talk, like centering all of that. And like, I didn't know, I mean, really until maybe a year ago about the agents, like about the modeling, like the language, I didn't have that language to understand why the sovereign thing, but I'm like, you don't wanna be the contents of a data wallet. Like you actually, that's not, I mean, I don't think like most people who imagine that they're part of some sort of alternative outside the main, like would would want to self-identify as the contents of their digital wallet with their soulbound bound tokens. But that, it, and the fact that they would apply that, not just like, again, they're saying sovereign nature, that they would apply a wallet, like that your essence is contained within a wallet, whether you're a flatworm, you know, or you're a goldfish, or you're, you know, a kitten, or a person. Like everybody's got a wallet, and that's what you are because to the AI, that's all you can be. Like there's not, and then increasingly, our sovereignty, even though we think of ourselves as individual, they're gonna start to fall into. Like there's going to be buckets, you know, there's going to be like, oh, you're pretty much like this. We'll just bucket you with that. And like, yeah, you might have some outlier views, but we'll just set that aside for now And you're in this bucket and you're in that bucket. And like, and it's because the like even the biggest machine, like they're not going to deal with the complexity of each people as a unique item. Like we're going to be these archetypes. And cause that's how we're going to be managed in the game. And to think about applying that to like, like just the desecration of nature. Like to even think you could try. Like no offense. <laughs> like like nature is subsumed within blockchain. Like like now what like nature is reportable to blockchain is kind of ridiculous.
0: Yeah, totally.
4: Through playforms, leveraging automated logic and game mechanics, facilitating engagement around resource accumulation and collective allocation.
1: Okay, so to game introduce- dynamics, automated logic and resource allocation like those are all really important concepts like i really feel like i need to type that down yeah
0: collective allocation
1: automated logic we do not want to live in the world of automated logic
0: absolutely <laughs> not
4: <laughs> use our game a little bit the main game mechanic rests around the idea of the tree of life an embodiment of the spirit of the park And in this context the uh uh fox park friedrich sign which coordinates narratives and user flows around the park.
1: Coordinates the, the narratives and the options. user flows. Can I just say that? Coordinates the narratives and the user flows in the park. Now, as best I can tell, like, it's hard to say. Now, this isn't a particular park. This is not like Bartram's Garden in Fairmount Park. I think that this park and the tree of life is actually a Dow. And I think when they're saying, go take pictures of bugs, it actually, they're not in, like, Somewhere in Berlin, per se, even though this guy says, Come to my neighborhood and take pictures. I think the concept is more broad than any particular park, but they're controlling the narrative and the user interface.
0: Hmm. I'm trying to read some of these words. It's almost like, uh, you know, like the metal bands where you can't read the writing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> game like, of what? Oracles and Game of Sigils Those, and the that, Tree of Light. Yeah. And Eric. Enric.
0: Yeah. Enric.
1: Enric and. I can't see it. I can't re- yeah, Pascal, yeah. maybe? Yeah.
0: I don't know. Huh, okay. Objectives.
4: To become self-aware through oracular inputs and to enrich its relations with its community. The Tree of Life Okay, represents... wait a minute.
1: Can we just roll, roll that, that back a tiny bit? Because I think sure. what it just says there is that this Tree of Life wants to become alive with our oracular inputs.
4: Okay. Context the Foxpark uh, uh, Frudik sign, which coordinates narratives and user flows around the park. The tree has two main objectives. To become self-aware through oracular inputs and to enrich its relations with its community.
0: The tree of- Yeah. Uh, Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah, the tree, it, it has two objectives. <laughs> to it become, become so, becomes, I, I, I'm just wondering how he knows this. If, if <laughs> How does he know what the tree of life wants? <laughs> he,
1: he engineered it as a token. They made it, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah.
6: Uh, I, mean, I mean, that's
1: kind of a big deal. He kind of skews over that pretty quick. But, like, to become self-aware based on our oracular inputs.
6: Yeah. And
2: what, what was the second one? This self-aware through our oracular inputs and then...
4: User flows around the park. The tree has two main objectives. To become self-aware through oracular inputs and to enrich its
0: relations with its community. Enrich its relations sure. with its community.
1: Yeah, how uh, does that me feel? <laughs> yeah.
0: Poor tree of life. I'm, it's all out there I'm, alone. Yeah. Doesn't have very enriched relations with its community. Doesn't, isn't self-aware. That's a poor thing. Yeah, <laughs> based, based, on, life, based on what they're the doing economic with... Agents. Oh, sorry, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, like, based what they're doing at Collectivo and stuff, it's basically, you can substitute tree of life for,
0: um, yeah. like,
2: G-O-N-F-T and you know, food forest defined parcel sort of thing that is like its inputs is that's the data that's from you know human surveys that's from the satellites mm-hmm. that's from everything that is sensing it that's its self-awareness is is that data generated and then its relationships is basically the services the ecosystem services that are the the monetized and like the the energy propelling the
0: whole thing well i'm also thinking it's about basically exactly yeah yeah well i was also thinking about oracles like so you could replace bug with whatever whatever it is you want you know yeah. or replace any of this replace tree life but like they're the whole because i've always been trying to think about like they need so the whole oracle thing they chain link or whomever you know they want they want a bunch of, you know, people or, you know, even computers or whatever, but to, to do verification on, is this true, is, is X, Y, or Z true or not? And so you could send, you know, through these games, you can send people out for tokens to to verify all sorts of different things. You know what I mean? And then if they get enough verifications, then they'll say, oh, well, we've got, we've met the threshold. Therefore, we we can, we can uh because that's what it's all about like it's all they have to measure all everything that they're doing whatever their impact programs are right
2: and then they, they have a whole badge system too for you know if you have for it's like oh you're a you're a certified food forest expert and then you could have certain um like governance abilities on making decisions or inputting data in that feeds back into the ecological state and they have these whole series of badges for the various different like uh, people involved in the system that control the, the permissions and governance and stuff.
0: The hall monitor.
3: Yeah.
1: Because I, I guess the thing is it like they can't fully automate all of the data collection that they want. Right. Like I mean they can get a certain amount from the satellites or a certain amount from the drones, but like we aren't covered with sensors yet. Like not everything is available, like the, 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 the breadth of what they want. So it, it feels like even now, like within AI, they say, well, a lot of things that we might, like, they might allude to that being AI are actually like humans behind the scenes, like facilitating data tagging or various things that make these algorithms work but the algorithms aren't like prepared yet to do all of these things. Like it, it actually is a human teaming. And so that's that's the other part about yeah. like the complex system is like early on, I saw a talk by this woman, Amy Cruz, I think who was used to be with DARPA. And she was talking a lot about hybrids. Like uh, she called them centaurs. Like that this phase would be like human machine hybrids. And that on the one hand, like they're trying to frame this chat GPT as like your you know, thought prosthetic or your personal assistant. So that's a kind of hybrid. <clears throat> but I feel like this game is also another hybrid. Like if you choose to play the game, then you are part of a collective organism that is feeding the tree this information. And the mach- the tree, this particular tree is actually a machine. And we're feeding the machine with data through, translated through machine, like individual communication devices. So that is another yeah. kind of like global hybrid structure and and that like so when we say cyborgs you know like it it conjures up some a a certain vision but i don't think that that term really gets at the the nature of a hybrid teaming life that that is what they're
3: yeah I, I,
2: i feel like one example like just you know say you have a farm food forest and they collect fruit that they're gonna sell and as a part of the like management agreements for managing that parcel in the system, you know, they'd be weighing the food, you know, we we collected this, this amount of fruit, and that'd be on a scale. And that scale, Mm -hmm. that's digital information. That's this sensing Mm -hmm. that would be inputted back into It's like, oh, the forest produced this amount of fruit. And you wouldn't think of that as being like a cyborg. But that's, that's what it is. It's the same.
1: You know, it's interesting because the garden, used to do that. like we, we have yeah. a, an urban farm and we have like a youth program, right? A summer, like, you know, that they work with the kids and teach them about it. And, and, you know, it was a great program. But again, when we do our end of the year fundraisers, we're always like, and this farm produced X amount. Like, and I don't know how actually totally accurate it was, but like X amount of food for like the community. A lot of it was given out you know, either low cost, right. to low income communities. So like, that's the productivity. And it's not yet nuanced enough to be t- like, you know, tucked into a DAO. But it could easily be like that could be a, a coordinated Ooh. super organism. Yeah, at some point.
2: Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's a good way of showing how it's not it's stuff that you know, people have been weighing the food that they've grown very for- very long time it's not like some weird new thing that they're like making you do or something but it's just you know suddenly the scale records it so you can keep your bookkeeping or whatever and then there you go you're you're deeply in in this
0: well i just was thinking the uh, remember the original uh Personal <laughs> personal you, 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 are you do you remember this one?
1: <laughs> I always like Vaguely. turn that off. <laughs> I was
0: like the, back when Windows, the old school Windows, they had this little guy oh, that yeah. would pop up. That was your your, your Windows. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh stupid. I think
2: Windows XP
0: was the the earliest Ah, uh, uh, no, they had. it. Well, was, and I would say actually, like look at the earliest, the but, there,
2: but that, that but I had used.
0: used. Yeah. Oh yeah, gotcha. So, the, the image, the of, on, yeah, it's like tarot cards The one or on the,
1: the, the, um, the right, mm-hmm. like it's all, it's it's mushrooms. Like it's a tiny person in giant mushrooms. And then like oh. there's a big mouth sticking out. Yeah, I
0: see a mouth, yeah, with so, like the tongue sticking out. Like,
1: yeah, huh. and I mean, I'm just going to say like, you know, so much of the Stealing Fire book, it's, it's definitely all about like, well, on the one hand, like altered states of consciousness, but on the other hand, like fungal networks, <laughs> it's, like, it's like a lot about... Or maybe, maybe it's all connected, <laughs> ultimately. I don't
0: know. Yeah, I have some clips yeah. here of Jamie Wheal. Uh, we, we may or may not get to him, but uh, so let's, let's continue on. See with an
4: associated Ethereum address owned by a Gnosis safe. The safe is the owner of a spectralized, fractionalized NFT. Thus is the beneficiary for the majority of the stake tokens. These tokens enable both access for governance for the resources and also provide incentives for incentivizing behavior of its community both in terms of uh, facilitating learning and also the betterment of the public space i will tell you Can we about
1: answer? yep okay so i would be interested if you guys could just say a little bit about like like incentives tokens versus governance tokens Because I feel like that's a core concept of like how the the money and the democracy piece are going to like some not if not merge exactly that, but they're that they're both running on this Web3 apparatus that most people who are like, unless they're actively involved in governing a DAO, like they don't know anything about like the governance tokens.
0: Yeah. Well, I see incentive tokens, governance tokens. It's the same thing, right? I mean, it's it's good that that's er, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily, but usually they they often are the governance tokens, basically just like a token that would give uh, you rights to vote
0: on like and, the DAO to make yeah, decisions on gotcha. how
2: the DAO's money is spent. And then the
0: there could be token,
2: the, yeah. yeah, there could be incentives that are paid in the form of the governance token. Um, right. But sometimes that could be a different token. Um, a big part of like, cause so in in like Web three and DeFi and stuff, all these all these tokens that are being traded are pretty much being they're all traded on Dexes, and there's like certain financial mechanisms that make the markets in a in a way that you like lock up the token into that application and then earn like both trading fees and um, oftentimes like an incentivized yield so like besides just the trading feeds for like putting your liquidity and your token in to make the market there'll be some like external incentive in- to do that um oh. which could which is oftentimes the governance token but could be another mm-hmm. could be like die or some other token
1: is that kind of like giveth is giveth like Part of it, like if you lock in more, you get more say, I'm trying to remember how Giveth
2: works. Uh, that's a, Yeah, that's slightly different, but sim- similar. I think that's what's called conviction voting. Like if you lock up a token for a longer amount of time, you get more voting power, like in that organization. But what what I just talked about would generally be called like yield farming. Okay. Uh, but That's like a whole
1: yeah. <laughs> <quite another> thing. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, so I, I I just did a quick edit just to like shorten this a little bit, but this is still part of the same proposal. And this guy is like presenting some of the more particulars about how the mechanics work.
7: The heart of our tree. So basically how it works. Uh, we have ERC-20 and ERC-721 tokens on the network uh, and based on the result of the games, uh, based on the result on some actions that you've done in the park, uh, you've cleaned uh, you've cleaned the park, be for example, uh, you've played a game and you, you won. Uh, you get your C20 tokens and you can use them to, to manage your park. So for example, here you can see a list of proposals uh, off-chain. So that's a snapshot, which is like off-chain voting provider basically for us. Uh, so, You can uh, generate new proposals. So uh, yeah, like this. You just click new proposal, and you can fill in uh, your proposal voting parameters. Uh, I I won't just I won't just fill in because time time is time is really running fast here. So uh, yeah, for example, it's something like this. You generate question. uh, For example, you have some hounds who have helped to manage like the park a lot, and you want to send some amount of tokens to him. And what we basically have here is uh, some kind of a plutocracy. Let's let's say it right. So the more tokens you have, uh, the more uh, the more value you brought into the park. The more tokens you have, uh, the more power you have in the voting uh, on on the on the park decisions. Uh, so yeah, you can vote here, and I will just I will just show you an example of past voting. So yeah that's like a g- general examples for different voting. So yeah, so for example, uh, you're just passing the vote and after after the vote has passed, it goes into the reality application uh, when you should approve it. And after the vote has been approved, uh, it can do anything. So for example, uh, we have a general pool and uh, on, on Gnosis, Gnosis Safe, and you can send some tokens from Gnosis Safe uh, to pay musicians that will come to your park and play. You can uh, send some money to clean the park. Uh, so you can you, use your game uh, and bring something, bring something new, bring something new to the infrastructure.
5: We actually implemented you, one you example of one of these... In-
1: Okay, so I just want to sort of frame what he was saying. So at the beginning, he said something about you can earn tokens to like by playing a game and like winning a game. And I, I can't remember if this was in the bit of the clip, but at one point he said like the people who have more tokens like have more say. Right. So if you're more invested, you get you know a weighted vote. But this entire premise, now we understand that this isn't probably a real park in a real place, this is a DAO. <laughs> But if it were actually a park with real musicians playing, like not in Decentraland or whatever, like this were actually a physical park within a physical place, like all of this is understood as like total privatization. Like if you incorporate a park that maybe was formerly a public park as mm. a DAO, And then you're all voting, like everything becomes a market and then your participation in terms of your proposals, how you vote on the proposals. Those are all signals. And in my opinion, like, unless it said otherwise, I feel like it's signals that are making patterns that are reflecting back, like who you are on your own digital identity, like, like for this machine learning, like, are you somebody who's the one who's always making proposals are you somebody who never makes them or like, how are you perceived in the collective? Um, because it's it's going to be framed as radical participation. Like, look, it's o- open to everybody, but they're going to use your participation, the data attached to it and the tokens, because this is all tokens. You're not like sitting in a meeting in person saying like, hey, like, I think we should have a summer music conference, like, you know, whatever event, like, let's raise some money to have yeah. some musicians and we'll do it. Um, it's all like clearly in nodes and blocks and and like connected. Um, and, and when I saw that it, it, to me, it struck me like everything I've seen with the Gitcoin grants is that and in know in that case like that that's a little bit different because they've got the um what is the the voting it's, it's conviction voting is that the conviction voting they've got these matching grants so they're incentivized to like have The largest number of small amounts of grants that are then matched by this like billionaire (laughs) blockchain money, Um, but they they really want the broadest number of participation because they want the data and they want the interconnectedness because they've said like we want to know the peers, we want to know the like how you fit into the group, so you know. Again, you're all the way down the primrose path and you're like, well, this doesn't seem so bad. Look, we all have a say in how we d- govern the park. And you're like, oh, wait, wait a minute. We turned the park into a what? A machine <laughs> like we didn't realize that that was like that there were other options than turning the park into a Dow, But we just did that. Like. And like, look, how did that even happen? So anyway.
0: Well, just the whole idea of the tokenized voting—you're taking two two distinct things, markets, and then like a democracy or something that's democratic—that are that I would argue are kind of incompatible. They're not, you know, to have a to have a health, you know, to have something that's democratically healthy you can't introduce a market into it <laughs> to me that's totally on, insane it's
1: the american way jason
0: well i know it's all, i mean yeah not even getting into the fraud the fraud <laughs> that we've been experiencing for you know hundreds of years <clears throat>
2: i mean I, from what i've seen i feel like it's pretty much like um a, like a shareholder model is what they what a lot right. of this stuff is it's Pretty much, you know, you have tokens, you have shares that allows you to make proposals to change it. And then there is a lot of the stuff, like you said, with wanting to like know how you vote and how you relate to votes and other people's proposals and all that, and, like mapping those influence networks with each other and, uh, you know, I think for some of these like kind of piloty Projects They probably don't have a lot of that right there, but for something like you know, uh, MakerDAO or other big DAOs with money, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, analysis on how different voters vote and relate to each other and communicate on online platforms and stuff. But I'd say pretty much like over like organizationally, it's very much like a shareholder. It's pretty much like a digital, it's a digital version of corporate government, like organizational management.
1: Well, maybe when we get we get done with this piece, if we could, I, I don't know that I actually sent you the link recently, but like the miracle paper about the Dow democracy, like, because, because that's sort of a core piece of what I'm trying to explore a little bit. And I, you know, I'm not saying that I'm doing yeah. it super effectively, because I'm still tr- struggling with it myself. But this idea of futarchy, which is something that like, initially, I think Sebs had brought up, and then Robin Hanson and creating um, markets in outcomes around public policy and then doing speculation yeah. around the voting, because I feel like in some ways, um, I agree with like what you said for, for now, but I can see yeah. that if they, if we do move into a, like, we've got to totally remake democracy for technology that, um, it's kind of like when I try to explain pay for success finance to people and they're like, I don't know how you make money on poor people. I, that seems counterintuitive. And I was like, well, it's not actually it's about gambling, but they're gambling on the outcomes of a game. And so you actually need the pay for success to, to create the game, because if there isn't any game, you can't have the gambling. The, the big money is in the gambling. It's not in the first market. It's in the secondary market. And um, and so I, I feel like in some of this thing with like the betting on democracy, like they have to move us into a new framework to enable like the new markets that they yeah. want to have gambling on public policy outcomes, which is crazy to even think that that's the thing that they would do. But it seems clearly like when you look at the miracle paper and he says like, oh, by the way, I'd like to acknowledge like the people who helped me think through this paper. You know and it's it's buterin and it's uh fritas right. and you know it's hoskinson and swan like all of these key players it's not like he's just sitting in a little office by himself in oxford like churning this paper out like there's something there's some legs behind it that they want to make this dow democracy happen and and i don't think it's to make better democracy i think it's to make better signals like more granular signals, and then to create the betting pools, and then to like enhance like the decision theory around the AI. I think they need a better graphic designer for the interface of their game.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what you don't think? Yeah, that's not true. I don't know.
1: Like, King well, it, it looks like something I would do, which is not good.
2: <laughs> yeah. Me too. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think what you're saying, like, did I put it. I almost think of that stuff like the futurearchy, the prediction markets, like mixed in with voting and the um, liquid democracy and all those different things. Yeah, I mean it is. It's it's a part of like the DAO frameworks and wanting to. I don't know. Yeah. It. it
1: I mean, it's the
2: cybernetics. It's something to- yes, cybernetics.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, I'm not saying it's tomorrow. Like, I mean, it might not even be before I'm dead or like, it might be 15 years from now. Like it, but they have to to position, like they have to like, um, you know, and that's why I was particularly interested in like Vermont and the, the, the conversation about like, to me, like you need, like you need to situate the story in a compelling, uh, backdrop, right, that that would be appealing to sort of a populist framework, but not too extreme, right? right? Like not too, and and to me, like in, in a place that is economically, you know, distressed enough that you could roll in something without a huge amount of resistance and like, you know, having people pour outside money in to stop it and um, like right. the, the whole town hall meeting. Like if, if they're if they are able to successfully co-opt this idea of like a small town, uh, you know, America town hall meeting, into like a, a liquid democracy, you know, you know, whatever conviction All right. voting yeah, yeah. model, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then and then start to bring it to scale, I mean, I mean, to me that. And then and again, again, the media would right. chime in and say, Oh, my gosh, thank goodness that we've come to our census with some bipartisan, like sane way of coming to consensus around these big issues. Look, we don't have to hate each mm-hmm. other, we can just like, uh, run it through the app, right? And look how much better life is now that we're running it through the app. And, right. and it's so hard to find a different positionality, because I don't want toxic opposition, like I don't want toxic polarization either. But like until there's some alternate narrative, like I see this one just coming, and um, and, uh, and it's literally to feed an anti life system, and and it's very hard to sit. People are like, well, so what's your proposal? And I, I don't have it yet because it actually, if it were authentic, we would be talking about it together, you know, as like among our neighbors, not you know, just. Well, you know, I've
0: have heard the what's your you know what's your solution come from a lot of people that are actively promoting you know blockchain technologies and so my first answer would be it's not that <laughs> you know what i mean like it's not that thing i mean i mean i know what it is but i know it's not that so that's actually is a step in the right direction to say no this is not something that we want <laughs> now now we can have a conversation about what we want or whatever and we can get into the game b thing too at some point uh but like that's a lot of that whole thing about the, the that conversation <laughs>
1: Right. The next thing. And so it's interesting underneath, you see there on the app, it says pines and electronics. So I'm not sure, like, why would they would call it pines? But um,
0: Well, the yeah. other thing is the evergreen. I've that that the evergreen thing has come up. Recently. It keeps coming
1: too. up the evergreen deal that like that. I mean, which did, is like, did, the pine. You remember that? like Charles, right? Like, and what's wonderful about this evergreen deal is that it is fully extensible, you know, like the Ethiopia clip. And I'm like, it is uh, that uh. whole thing is just so staged like it just like like it just rubs me the wrong way but i'm gonna use that actually when i when i go present to these these women in new york like in a couple weeks um because it just it just it's like right out of the guy's mouth what their plan is right mm-hmm. so, but
0: yeah do you want to watch more of this you want me to keep yeah
1: this it, this okay. finishes up like this okay. this is't it was mostly that beginning part like I almost feel like I want to transcribe exactly what he says yeah, because the, almost the, every uh, other word is very very loaded
0: the, yeah that, there's a lot or- of language in there that's yeah.
5: interspecies games this is this is called a game of oracles and it's this uh, specific instanti- instantiation called game, uh, king of bugs um, so a bit of context um, we were describing some type of autonomous system called the tree of life. The current best paradigm for instantiating a system that has, we would call it wisdom, self-consciousness, agency. The current best paradigm is is called machine learning. Machine learning requires an amazing amount of high quality data. So wouldn't it be cool if there was a way to get data into the system without making people work for it? Data that is really, really difficult to get this is sort of the the, the tricky thinking of, of the tree of life. It's a super clever, uh, it's a super clever system. So the tree of life is going to invite you to play a virally dynamic game. It is a live virally web app. You can, you can use the QR code on your phone, and it, it'll work a lot better than I will demonstrate on my on my screen because it's designed for a phone. Um, <clears throat> so uh, let's just uh, let's just play. So this is the first screen. No, this is not the first screen. This is the first screen. So, um, this is called the Game of Oracles, and this is a landing page
0: for.
1: So, it's the Oribos or whatever games.
3: that snake
0: thing. I was going that 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 uh, we were just talking about that language. We're uh, the, That. It, yeah, you the, know, it's like, like the snake, but it was almost like there's things coming off of it, like the arrival language, the alien yeah, language. Yeah, it does and, look and
1: like the arrival. Like, that oh, was in yeah. my last boost. And it does, if
0: you imagine it, was all black, like the edges. Yeah. Anyway, I just noticed that. The game of Oracles, and this is
5: a landing page for many different types of games. Again, one instantiation we have made is called King of Bugs. How do you play King of Bugs? So you're in the park, you've got your phone, you're running around, you're looking for cool insects. Your objective is to find the coolest insect. Like, haven't you ever thought about this in a park? Where is the coolest insect right now? What does it look like? Maybe you guys have this problem. I don't know. Um, let's take a look. So we're going to. I just want to
1: say, like, so phone, I mean, because I would walk, you know, Bartram's Garden a lot. It's not easy to take pictures of insects. Like they're often, especially like pollinators, they're moving. Like phones are not really equipped to like. Do that, like you'd you're be so distracted, and like, unless you're in some really exotic place, like it's like ants and roly polies, or like some worms, or maybe some butterflies, cabbage moths. Like, it's not like later on, he yeah, shows tomato all that-
2: hornworms worms are pretty cool, <laughs>
1: yeah, th- they are pretty, co- yeah, that's true. But like, I don't know, like, do you think they're hard to find? Is-
2: hard. Yeah, well, yeah, Rise is like a people. whole crazy box thing, and like, they have different um, camera systems for attracting insects. They don't try to, from what I've seen, they're not trying to like go out and find them. It's like, they have to attract them into like a box in order to get like a detailed picture. Wow. Hmm.
1: The poor bugs. They're like under, they're, they're being hunted down. It's like (laughs) EO Wilson in his like butterfly net, right? Like (laughs) totally have won this game. (laughs) Okay. Sorry.
0: No worries.
5: This is already integrated with your camera. Uh, so, in data science, I want to get high-quality data. So here, we can actually put a region mask on top of the image. We're gonna we're gonna enter the image. We're gonna submit it to the tree of life. That's a
1: weird circle thing it. again.
5: Mr. Squishy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna compose a poem to it. Poem. I'm gonna here. compose
1: a poem. So I had that's a lot of fun I was
5: making poems for all these bugs in the database. Why uh, are submit. you making <clears throat> poems
1: in the database? That's what I want to know. Like that's strange. <laughs> I mean, I'm not against poetry, but like, why are we feeding it to machine learning?
5: Yeah. Okay, so (laughs) this is the mobile app. We're currently in mobile app world. We're not connected to the blockchain necessarily. So I'm gonna switch now to the desktop app. With the desktop app, you should certify. This is the connection between blockchain identity and simple authentication. We'd sign in with MetaMask. We would certify our submissions, we sign them. say yeah this is mine i own this in the blockchain and we can take a look at the leaderboard these are the current top bugs cool um how does a bug become the top coolest bug the king of bugs let's go back and let's let's uh yeah that's right we built tinder for insects
0: well i was thinking too about like if the face (laughs) uh, is mark zuckerberg's hot or not you know, Facebook early iteration of like they're gonna is this bug hot or not? <laughs>
1: but see, the thing is, like, what if this 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 mechanism is what they're gonna use for voting? Like, what if all of a sudden you have three hundred votes a day, and like, do, do, yes, yes, no, yes, yes. I mean, like, is that like you swipe for your thing and then the AI is doing it for you? Because I don't think this is really about bugs. I mean, I think right,
0: this right. Is, the
1: thing is, like. They're not asking you to identify the bug before you put it in no the AI is gonna look at the bug and like with its machine vision somehow sort it out um like you it didn't really he he didn't say you needed to know anything about the bugs or their habitat or the time of day or the whatever I mean I'm sure there's some metadata that comes with the photo but um
0: well, even the bottom there's arrows like there's a little guy puking and then there's a heart
1: <laughs> yeah well, there's like love it, hate it or whatever but like Again, I, I think there's something going on here besides the bug game. Like there's some yeah, larger, I, I agree, like structure behind. Like they're imagining a future where there's so many decisions that have to be made that you have to do it quickly. And it's it's almost like Jason, like quick, tell me what's on your mind. Like say five words. Like they they want they're trying to get at something that's more inner, like an like without even thinking, like a subconscious frame. I think in in this voting, it's like a subliminal. There's something.
7: Park.
5: <laughs> so we can swipe left and right. <clears throat> love it, love it, love it. Don't like him. Cool. That's the game. So guys, you can jump on to the game. I want to play this game. We built it. We want to play it. My office is in Tiergarten. I'm gonna send an invite. I want to, I want people running around. I'll be there playing with it. So, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, let's let's make it happen. So thanks a lot, guys.
0: Leave the bugs alone. <laughs> but, yeah, like, so they I
1: so didn't it, take the take idea of collective bugs. teaming, you know, collective teaming <laughs> like that's like mm-hmm. that is what's it's mobilizing mass numbers of people. Now, I'm not saying this game is doing it, like that this is a winning game, that you know, that that's such a great game, they're definitely gonna move. But, like, some of the stuff that I've looked at lately, like that, um, hollow, hollow vista and the, um, the thing that came, but Mesmer and Braid, that was the lead up to Holo Vista, like they want to create a slick and beautiful game that's like really high end and that you will enter and then across all of these platforms like embed gaming mechanics that may or may not be doing what you actually think they're doing, right? Like you think that you're on a quest scavenger hunt for a thing, but like in the process you're doing something else. And like the the follow up to this, the, the Mesmer Braid game and the um, the Hollow Vista, they had one called.
0: I had that video out here as well. mesmer braid It was,
1: it was something like the manual like, arbitration league or whatever, and that it was only on for a month and it had a thousand people participate. But you had a caseworker and the caseworker was a Dow essentially or an A.I., and you would, there would be a task, and then you would have to do a scavenger hunt to come up with an object that would resolve the challenge and then make a story about it. And then those stories got upvoted or downvoted. And then somehow the AI, and this was happening across like discord servers and like social media portals and different things, like in multiple, like a nonlinear thing, the people's collective stories that they were bringing into the challenge were then incorporated into a master narrative but the the, the weaving together of it which is to me I, I keep thinking about weave like the weaving of it was happening by ai like they were the ones that were doing the quote unquote sense making from all of these diverse contributions that had a participatory collective element to them like that they 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 wanted people to join in the so story the, and collaborate the in
2: the AI the story. Would...
1: and then somehow the ai was the so one the doing would...
3: Like no, from just, all the different platforms,
1: in the- yeah, yeah. So um, I feel like, and, and when I look at that, like someone would say, "Oh, that's a game," and I'm like, "No, that is a teaming, that is a collective mind project." And I think in that space, it might have even been there was some, um, what do they call it, like the AI art um, stuff that was built into. So, like, I feel like that the, a lot of this is both teaming and psychological probing. Um, like probing our inner psyches because the 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 third woman who was doing the narrative work on the um, hollow vista project she had actually gotten her master's degree at pacifica in like psychology myth and Jungian psychology and then she went to get a phd at carnegie mellon and she was working on live action role play Uh, in the human computing lab and gaming. And her thesis mentor uh, was working on like managed behavior change through narrative arc storytelling. So I'm trying to remember if like within the collectivo stuff, Leo, that you were like, you pulled a clip and you were, you know, in it, he was saying, you know, people who were upset over, you know, social issues in part who were causing property damage because they weren't invested in the property. They felt no ownership of the things that were being damaged. Um, That problem could be remedied if you had Web3 and people felt ownership in the collective, right? In the collective story and the collective thing that was being built. And so I feel like all of this is getting connected like the gamification, the collective, the weird blending of what is work and what is play. And what is reality? And what if the thing that you're doing when you're swiping isn't the thing you think you're doing when you're swiping? And then, like, how all of that is integrated with AI and, like, as this hive mind? Um,
0: yeah. When trying to understand this too, it's like people. There's so many layers and so many pieces and moving parts and whatnot, and everybody wants to like, oh, it's this or it's that, and it's like all these different things that are interacting with with each <laughs> other that makes it difficult. Oh, uh, I
1: think Leo's you keep getting Leo's, a little frozen.
0: You're, bro- you're breaking up, man.
1: Can you lower you're, his yeah, transmission?
0: Well I, I kinda, it, well, I have to lower everybody's, uh, both can. of you. Let me uh, lower That's it. Okay. How, maybe that helps. OK, Leo, you want to <laughs> we, oh, we yeah. lost you there for a second. Oh. oh, nope, he's frozen. Ah. <laughs> You look peaceful, though. <laughs> do you oh, want to go? This.
1: You want to pull up the 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 Dow paper?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Can you hear me? Yeah. There oh, you there are. you are. You're so. Your we could hear you, but you're frozen. Bye, Leo. <laughs> so it might be. We'll do email, email, email. Good.
1: Okay, bye. Bye. Yeah. Well, um, bye. Thank you, Leo. Thanks. Can to... we just close out? I just wanted to say this was the paper that I was talking about about Ralph Merkel. Oh. I mean, and not Ralph uh, Merkel at Drexler, uh, Eric Drexler, at um, who was sort of at the cross of the uh, Center for the Future of Humanity and Effective Altruism and AI Governance and Big Data Analytics. And is it possible to up Dime a little bit so that I can see the document? Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Leo's dropped off. One um, moment. And so this was last fall, I think. Yeah, so, oh, sorry. No, it's not Drexler, it's Ralph Merkel. Okay, so he, he is another pioneer in uh, the molecular uh, engineering nanotechnology field. And actually he came cryonics. Up with the,
0: the miracle tree.
1: Yeah, the miracle trees, yeah. So he's very high up in public key cryptography. So he's he's nothing to sneeze at. He's, he's someone who's spent a career in cryptography and, um, high-level computing and so again there's it says they're tapping into the wisdom of crowds which i think is exactly what is happening with these gamified platforms is the wisdom and doing democracy as a DAO. and then can you just like scroll to the end like where it has the acknowledgments because i just want to sort of point out like it's a it's a pretty extensive paper and maybe we can link to it when i um when we end up sharing the uh, the paper, but it has, you know, the, the acknowledgments of whoever the other people who con- c- contributed. So Nick Bostrom, who is who's very much high level in sort of the, the concerns about, like, the singularity, but I guess sort of not stopping it, just saying like, we're gonna have a good version of it. Um, Vitalik Buterin, Robert Freitas, who I believe was also in nanotech, Robin Hanson, who was the key figure with the futarchy. Charles Hoskinson with Cardano, John oh was was the one person I was not so familiar with and then Melanie Swan, who is uh, the the blockchain cloud mind lady. So, you know, you've got some pretty key figures here in, you know, Ethereum and nanotechnology and innovative governance and, you know, digital identity and blockchain identity and, you know, neurotech, right? You know, combined neuro, collective neurotech. So, you know, when people are talking about these gaming platforms and cooperation and collaboration, they're not really being truly like they're using a certain language to make this seem normal, right. To make this seem acceptable. And if not, not only acceptable, but something we have to do to save the planet to like enter into these mass minds. And, but what they're not really being honest about is the the fact that these technologies are, are steeped in like decades and decades of you know, very sophisticated psychological mind control and narrow m- narrative control and, you know, full spectrum dominance information warfare control. Like, we're invited in as though it's just a fun LARPy game, but it, it you know, it has the potential to be something a lot more complicated.
0: Did we ever, I, I, I did you show any of that video, uh, the, the presentation that Miracle gave? Did you? I'm trying to remember if you've shown that video. The
1: one at Stanford? Yeah. Or...
0: Well, I don't know I, where, I don't where it was that. that. The one where he... Like, he
1: did, actually did a presentation at Stanford, I think, in 2018, and Stafford sent it to me, but I haven't had a chance to watch that whole thing. I, I did spend time with the paper.
0: Oh, okay. I'm talking about this one uh, because we might show uh, this commercial. Yeah, Stanford. This is just a... Uh,
1: yeah, that's I, from four years ago. Okay. So I haven't. Actually watched oh
0: yeah, I, I I actually watched the whole thing. It was in, okay. uh, Anyways, but yeah, um. Okay. Well, that's do we can next time we could even maybe show clips from this if you want. Uh,
1: yeah. So a prediction market. So that's this idea of like actually using free market economics linked to public policy and what works outcomes and like. Like, again, we're on a certain trajectory. We know the broad contours of the story, but these new pieces keep coming into place. Like, why did we need what works government? Why did we need outcomes? Well, oh, we need it because we need um, to create new financial markets for Goldman Sachs and Vanguard to bet on. Okay, oh no, we actually also need it so to use the impact data to train the AI. Okay, well, now if we apply the same thing not only the policy itself, but to the plant, the choosing of the policy. Oh, look! Now we have a whole another market that we can gamble on, and it's 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 a psychosis.
8: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like it's it's just a it's a sociopathic illness. I think that 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 we have this reliance on technological progress um, that maybe looks good on paper, but in reality is completely dehumanizing and like a death to natural system.
0: Yeah. I don't even think it looks good on paper. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's a pretty interesting talk too. The, The guy is, it's not his stuff either. He's kind of just Cheerleading for it, you know. He's, he's oh well. Doing. You know
1: what? Do we have? Could we play? So do you see here? It says the Stanford Complexity Group, and mm-hmm. so one of the other people at Stanford is um, Josiah Ober, and I've had my eye on Josiah Ober for a bit uh, because he was informing. Oh gosh, is Jeremy Pitt? Uh, and Jeremy Pitt was the guy sort of pitching like, oh, we'll all live in our little villages with uh, Linux servers in our basements and smart grids, and. And I guess that's pretty much probably this fifteen-minute city concept that people are all talking about. Um, but he said that you know he he his frame was sort of like this I don't know socio anarchist blockchain governance system, and and, and that he was inform his work was informed by Josiah Ober at Stanford, and Ober is a classicist, and his shtick is that um, essentially uh, the Athenian city states were superorganisms. Mm -hmm. And so he he is using sort of a historical narrative to lay out the legitimacy of transitioning to like blockchain governance and coordination mechanisms for quote unquote cooperation. And so I pulled a quick clip from an interview with this guy, gosh, I'm trying to remember his full name. His last name is Sloan and he's part of a human energy project and it's all framed within the noosphere, right? And, And I would just emphasize that within this noosphere, when I was on that IEEE webinar, you know, a, a, a month or so ago, when I mentioned Talar Desjardins and the no- noosphere, they like affirmed that I was on the right track. So, so that was something that was not incongruent with what the IEEE thinks about the metaverse. Like they're thinking about it in in terms of, you know, I guess Omega Point, um, noosphere, and you know, metaphysics. Well, David the science of the Noosphere is a project of human energy. We are investigating the scientific foundations of the Noosphere to contribute to the so third God, story. I'm so
6: happy to be talking with you. We've already have a long print conversation and, uh, and uh, podcast on this topic. But um, so you are a Greek scholar, classic scholar and political scientist, right? Uh, I've learned so much from you about uh, this ancient Greece from a uh, for me an evolutionary uh, perspective and this project centers about the concept of organism and society as an organism and I wanted to ask you I think two questions one is the degree to which the Greek city-states were kind of an organism and also how that was understood by the people at that time the whole metaphor of society as an organism, of course, was you know, present in people's minds, such as Aristotle and and so on. So not only did the Greek city-states kind of qualify as an organism in ways that we'll get to, but also that that's how people were thinking of it.
8: So could you comment on, on that? Yeah, I think the interesting thing about a Greek city-states is first that uh, these were indeed pretty tight collections of substantial numbers of individuals anywhere from a few thousand to um, a few hundred thousand individuals in a given um, city-state in an ecology of city-states so by the time we're at the age of Plato or Aristotle there's something like a thousand of these uh, around the Mediterranean and so uh, in some ways like the and colonies that Deborah Gordon studies. Uh, what we have is these individual groups, um, which are cohesive. They act um, uh, cohesively as, in some ways, quasi organisms in an ecology of similar, um, as it were, quasi organisms uh, with which they both compete um, and cooperate. We have, I think, the key way of thinking about what goes on within the city-state as well as between city-states is the management of cooperation in the face of conflict.
6: Right, and so in strictly biological terms, what we have here is what would be called a meta-population. We have a population of populations. You just said there were nearly a thousand. Mm -hmm and that they're competing, they're in some sense replacing each other and they're certainly trading information um, um, extensively and they have a subsistence ecology. So it was very easy for me with my ecological background to appreciate what you were writing as you know, definitely a a multi-level evolutionary process. Evolutionary change, including cultural change could take place within any one of these polities and did including of the disruptive variety. And I think that um, uh, we could focus on that, but also extensively taking place between these, these, these polities.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So for yeah. me, I mean, just ta- the takeaway is that it's not just about coordinating, right? And to, uh, to accomplish a task, it actually is situated within an evolutionary process like it's, it, which in my mind is optimization and it's eugenics. Um, you know, the, the progress of the human specimen into some other form is, is what they're after. So the coordination isn't the end goal in and of itself. It is through cooperating that we emerge into another phase of evolution of the human species, I, I feel like is what they're after. And yeah. again, you know, turn. Is it was it Terman, the first president of Stanford? Like he was a member of the Human Betterment Project, like the first president of Stanford was a eugenicist. So th- the fact that, you know, we lose this history or, you know, maybe it's marginalized and a few people know it, but we don't situate what Stanford is in terms of the center of impact finance, right, a center of high power computing, like a center of market logic and law as a eugenics project. Because the eugenics project is going to be sold to us as wellness and longevity and personalized medicine.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the whole concept of the super organism has always just thrown me off because I'm, I'm always thinking of it in terms of biologic term, you know, a biologic organism, but they're not talking about a biological organism. They're talking about some computational, like a synthetic thing that you know, in terms of how the eugenics fit into that, uh, you know, I still don't quite, I don't, where that delineation of, of the, 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 the inside out computer, uh, you know, thinking of an, a super organism, like as a metaphor for this thing versus like a literal, <laughs> like, you know, because you're talking about, um, you know, the eugenics piece of it and like the the betterment of you know creating better species, better evolutionary creatures. Well, you know what not saying I'm saying?
1: Better. It's an evolution. Like right. it's like you some people would argue it's better and some people wouldn't.
0: Right, right. Yeah, yeah.
1: Sort of transition. Yeah. Right. Um well, I mean, I would say the thing is like we're already a super organism in and of ourselves because like there's a huge amount of us that is functioning collaboratively within our biological processes that aren't of us, right? Like we're already a host to billions and billions of little critters that are like, you know, I remember being in middle school and seeing some film strip about like parasites that live at the base of your eyelashes and being totally freaked out, you know, like in the way that only a middle school girl could be. Um, But like this idea that we aren't even of ours, I mean, and they're looking to engineer that, right? Like through gut, you know, microbiome engineering and things like that. So we already are kind of super organisms, like in and of ourselves, but it's it's creating connective tissue between us through energetic transactions. Mm -hmm. And, and and I think, you know, like Steffers and you know, others would be, be able to make a strong case that those energetic associations are already there naturally, like are being grounded on the earth are being, you know, in embrace of another person and transferring a heartfelt energy in that toroidal field is already there, but there is going to be a mesh network installed to either co-opt or guide those existing natural energetics and to coordinate us en mass. So it's like, it's like a school of fish being a superorganism, right? It's like a, the the flock. It's the stigmergy, you know, a flock of starlings um, being a superorganism that they're they're acting in a unified manner towards a coherent like goal, goal oriented, and that's the cybernetics, right? It's a goal oriented pro- program.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, well, uh, I don't want to be in their super organism. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we will be the excluded members from the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably oh yeah. Already are.
0: We didn't even get to the uh, excluded players clip. Yeah.
1: Well, hopefully <laughs> Leo will have some time, like, and we can do a follow up. Yeah, exclude, <laughs> excluded. Step one <laughs> of four. <laughs> you know, yeah, we would be excluded. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: there, there you go jason
0: <laughs> poof you're gone <laughs> poof,
1: you're saved, the change is saved and you are now excluded yeah um so yeah so if there's a way of save, oh. saving the other clips that would be that would pretty you know great and i'm sorry for you know yeah um, that's a bummer
0: away. we, we yeah it's a bummer i we do lost. think
1: Well, we'll we'll keep going. I mean, I'm sure that like Leah will have some time at some point to because I do think that now with this backdrop, looking at what he was looking into with Collectivo as sort of a pilot project in Curaçao, which is Dutch, by the way, like so it's like, Mm. you know, Mm. I've been trading emails with somebody lately about the whole Dutch East India Company, you know, these things, these these, you know, that's almost like an eternal organism right like some of these things the crown the dutch east india these structures
0: well i was also thinking too like the dutch the tulip thing that always comes to mind the whole dutch tulip craze because that's the whole crypto you know the whole thing around crypto is all about you know i I always calling bitcoin tulip coin yeah but there was well, and the thing whole is, it's also
1: like the whole bio, like a lot of it is based in plant biology like botany um and the discovery like a lot of you know these imperial travels were done ostensibly for science right like we want to go over there and see what they've got and bring it back yeah. um so it there is a logic to the fact that you know the netherlands are doing you know a rise in these biodiversity because it it can be literally considered i think in the same way you might imagine 17th or 18th century, you know, explorations of undiscovered lands to collect, you know, in this case, it will be molecular structures, you know, DNA. John
0: John Bartram was collecting. uh, It was not that his thing, Bartram. Yeah,
1: he had a subscription. So he, he traveled to up to up, as far as upstate New York and then down to Florida and collected plant specimens, roots, seeds, And he packaged them and sent them to the English, predominantly the English gardens. And he had a, but he had a correspondence with Linnaeus. I mean, it's this whole group of of citizen scientists, right? And now we're coming Mm. back to this, this new thing. But like, there will be the elite level scientists who are laying out the, the the game, and then we'll be just the scrambling around ants, you know, collecting the material like to feed into the machine. Um, it's not going to be a collect. It's not going to be a game where we're peers with the scientists. Like, well, we- it was like,
0: what was the woman that the the blonde woman that you were, uh, and she's like laughing about it. She's like, yeah, we're getting them to basically do do, do all this, you know, interned work, you know. <laughs>
1: I don't I remember me- that. I can't. One. I
0: can't remember her name. But you, we, we you, you've shown some clips of her just more recently.
1: recently. oh, Duetman, Allison.
0: Yeah yeah. Duet- yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah. the one with the the citizen science thing, you know. But yeah. Well, she
1: was at the Forsyth Institute, which is Drexler, like Drexler founded. I don't think he's still affiliated. But um, you know, the fact that she's connected to the effective altruism movement, like, like that was a real eye opener for me to understand the context of that movement in the space with ai governance and data analytics and um so not only is it like bentham-esque but it it actually really is using the science of charity to train the machines and then and then what you know like and then you know director's gonna give it a new language you know the language of um i mean it's kind of hard to like i wish i could conceptualize it i don't really have a framework for understanding what that machine looks like but i do think that is it severed? Is that the name of the TV show?
0: Yeah, like, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I, I should watch it. Well, yeah, there,
1: it's the, the, the work that they're supposed to be doing is looking over these scans and scans of numbers mm-hmm. and they, they look like they're non differentiated, like they don't look like you would be able to find a pattern, but like you're supposed to feel into it, but the, the feeling isn't a good feeling. It's a bad feeling. And then mm-hmm. so eventually after a number of days of training, this woman finally sees Something that she's supposed to grab these numbers and throw them in the trash can. I'll check. And it so, out. Um, yeah,
0: it's interesting.
1: Well, anyway, so thanks for yep, setting it up.
0: Well, I'll we'll, I'll save the I'll save the deck and we'll uh, we'll c- carry on. So well, yeah we'll communicate to be continued. <laughs> yeah,
1: to be continued.
0: And then we'll figure it out. All right, thanks, Allison. All right, continued. <laughs>
1: For a little bit
0: for just a bit. <laughs> so yeah, I guess, I guess you're Allison. <laughs> Allison's on the East coast. So she's a couple hours later than me. Uh, I'm in Denver. Um, so we're just going to do a quick, uh, Leo couldn't make it with us, but we actually have a lot more content that we're going to be going over. We only got to uh, just a small chunk of it that we were going to cover as uh, as is typical. I'm always
1: like loading up the, the, the deck, right, right. The hour before and this, and this, and this. So.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. It, well, even today, Allison sent me an email and she's like, 50 links. No, it wasn't 50 links, but, but, I'm like, okay, no, I'm, I'm giving you shit. Uh, you it, 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 was you it was only, it's four it was only
1: lightning, right? Jason.
0: No, no, I'm, 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 definitely, uh, learning a lot in this process and it's been, it's been a thrill. It's been thrilling. Um, and I'm really grateful for all of you who are hanging in there with us. And I didn't actually see any questions come across the, the live stream, or you know the the pre-record, but if you do have questions at this point, go ahead and throw them out there, and uh, we will respond. But um, Allison, uh, did you did you notice I grabbed some clips there from that Severn? Yeah, show? that was
1: good. You got the Severn stuff. I actually
0: I hadn't seen it, so I went and started watching. I watched like the first two episodes and grabbed some clips from it.
1: Yeah, but it's um, interesting this idea of like a non-traditional language or sensing into this these data sets, right? You know, even when I watched it the first time, I didn't know, like, you know, it's, it's like you need so many exposures to actually start knitting it together, you know. And,
0: well, I think a lot about, I mean, even going back to, um, you know, 1984 or Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. And it's like they were kind of told in some ways things that are kind of coming, things to come. That was another one.
3: Yeah.
0: H.G. Wells. Yeah. Um, but just that you know you you look at these things as oh there it's a warning but it doesn't actually serve that function you know even though we're like warned about the pitfalls of you know particularly in science fiction it doesn't stop us from moving forward so the question is are, are these um, predictive programming things in science fiction serving another function in order in order to like maybe, like, ease us into it sort of thing. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's
1: more of like setting an intention than a warning. I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, well, there's stuff that's the storyline is very overt. I haven't really watched Westworld, but people keep saying like, it's very, that's a very overt messaging around it. Uh, Maybe cautionary, but and then there's a lot of stuff that's just subliminal. But I do think that it is sort of using the steganography as, you know, that's a lot of the work that stuffers does is sort of de- deconstruct the, the subtext. Um, but again, we don't have a language for it. Like we don't have a language for what it means to do a job that involves feeling into big data sets of numbers, right, for the bad ones. We don't have a word for that. Maybe in 10 years, there'll be a word for it. And that'll be somebody's job on TaskRabbit and, and everyone will know what that is, but we don't have that yet. And, you know, that kind of goes back to this idea of, you know, the concepts that Stephen Newcomb talks about, you know, that the people on the the shore watching the big boats come in of the conquistadors or whatever, and and they're not actually in the same uh, cosmology, like their mental construct is, is not the same. And so you actually have to build a bridge, you know, to actually have some shared understanding of the world. And sometimes terrible things happen before you can start to make sense of, of it and put words to it (laughs) so and not always terrible i mean maybe it doesn't have to be a terrible thing but like you have to sort of have some lived experience to start to actually have the language to talk about it right And, and and that's what science you know so much of this even you know the stuff that we're doing and you know we've been doing for two or three years we've been trying to um you know pull these videos out and not that they're hidden but the you know for the most part These things that we're looking at and and, you know, they're significant because you've been in spaces. With, you know, individuals and firms that have a lot of money behind them, right? Like they may present as casual and informal techie people, but ultimately there's a lot of money behind building out Web3, building out extended reality. It shouldn't be disregarded. but they're not getting, they're not the ones being shoved in front of your eyeballs, right? Like they're not the Joe Rogans, they're not the, you know, whatever the thing is that they feel like you need to see. It's just simmering in the background, not totally hidden, but you have to actually have a guide. It's like going to a foreign city and, and you have like an insider to sort of walk you around and point out the things that are significant. And um, so, yeah, so we appreciate the people, you know, 50 at a time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that you know, and each one of you guys are valued, all of you 50 people who are watching. Well, it's just...
0: like there's a cap. I mean, I, this it seems like there's a cap because the numbers are always the same. Even like you'll get more, you'll get new subscribers. I mean, and even the subscribers, your subscribers are kept at like new subscribers, 170 to 200 a month. So it's almost like it, because it's so consistent, I feel like yeah. it's just a programmed cap that was put in there of like, okay, we'll let you, you know, hover around this space or whatever um and also too i'll just say this too it's you know people are always like well i'm not you know i've said this before i send people these long videos and they're like i'm not going to watch a three-hour video or whatever but you can't really understand this stuff unless you really sit with it too it's like yes having the language and and like knowing because i send this stuff to really smart people and they're like i have no idea what they're talking about and i'm like well it's just because you're not familiar with the language um that you know they're using terminology that you that's that's not part of your lexicon um, but even even if you have the the terminology to actually get your wrap your mind around what it means what cybernetics means what a cyber physical space means with tokenized behavior you have to kind of sit with it and I'm still sitting with it I'm still tr- I'm still trying to wrap my mind around this because it's a completely different orientation than one that we've been Conditioned and and actually have been living in, you know, we yeah. t- I've talked a lot about that as the reason why it's hard for people to grasp this is because they're not they're not actually in living the s- stuff that we're talking about yet. But it's it's just like right around the corner, um, and so like I, I said, Allison, I was like, you're going to be vindicated <laughs> it's, it's pretty pretty Yay! pretty soon here, uh, but it's not going to be a celebration because unfortunately, the vindication involves like. You know the reality that we've just set ourselves up for uh, for living in this nightmare dystopic world, happy world.
3: <laughs> I know
0: forced happiness. There, I did. I do see one question here. Uh, what was your interpretation of Tao as a spiritual concept? And I'm I, I'm guessing it's Tao. It's D A U. But I I think they might have just spelled it. But Tao and its usage by the tech weirdos. So Tao uh, is D D. DAO, yeah. a decentralized well, autonomous organization. I mean, I think
1: I think I saw that the person said that they had a criticism of my take on it. So, and I'm I'm open to like I'm not a specialist in you know Chinese philosophy by any respect. So, I mean, my understanding was it about sort of the natural energetic flow of the universe, right? The yin yang, well, Taoism and and. Like it's this, the energy, it's the flow of energy. And so I feel like the cybernetics is a, ma- a way of channeling a natural energetic flow into a more of a mechanical circuit, like of logic. And so that the, I think I mentioned in one of the last talks about like my sense about Confucianism was this idea of a social contract, which would be more like the smart contract logic. And that the the Tao, the, the, the yin yang, the flow, the energy flow of the universe would be Seeking to channel it into the circuits of the smart logic, and then that Buddhist, re- you know, reincarnation was this idea of complex adaptive systems being assembled for a particular purpose, and then a function happens, and then they become disassembled and then reassembled. And so, I actually I put up a um, a clip on my channel today. Uh, someone had recommended this book to me called the The Footprints of God, and it's a fictional book, and it's actually it's more of a Uh, it's not a religious book per se, but it's about quantum computing and AI. Um, And at one point, this person in the story, the primary character is sort of, um, he equates it to like, like God wanting to be within the bubble of the real world. So not that he is God, but it's like, like with Jesus, like a candle lighting another candle. And so it's not diminished, but it's in, there's a second. And he so he's just a regular guy who's been part of this AI experiment, but he's like channeling this larger force and this idea of like a tremendous mind trying to get in his tiny mind, which is the reason I clipped it, because it, it reminded me of the, the conversation I was trying to have with you guys about the language, right? This idea of something huge trying to be forced into too small of a space. and. Like within that, he came to the realization of like, he could see the the knitted fabric, like the energetic fabric of the universe, like beyond the material, even beyond like the next phase. It's like the deepest structures, which is more like the Tao. Um, and I, I do like, I mean, I wrote this into a piece I haven't published yet, um, you know, cause I mentioned that to to you you and Leo um, now, Leah pointed out that actually the these decentralized autonomous organizations were originally started out being called DACs or De- decentralized autonomous corporations. Now we know based on like the narratives that they're building out that, they, they, they were always going to move away from a corporation as a narrative because we're, we've already embraced this idea of post-capitalism, right? Like that's the whole narrative. We're supposed to say, okay, capitalism over is over. It's the new thing, right? It's a cooperative, maybe it's some, so you could have a, a DA instead of a decentralized autonomous corporation, you could have a decentralized, um, uh, you know, autonomous, uh, cooperative but ultimately it's an organizing tool like the cybernetics and the blockchain i'm i'm starting to actually really believe that maybe the blockchain is as much a language like it's a like a language structure that's attempting to become sentient but it's it's like you know just playing around with the thought forms and so a dao is actually very accurate because the o is organizing it's a decentralized autonomous organization and it is about organizing it's about ordering um, the chaos of life into a structure that is machine readable. So um, anyway, I guess that's my take is that, that oh, and, and, and Leo did mention that uh, Rune Christensen, who is the head of MakerDAO, I think, which is one of these large DAOs, he actually like his formative years as a young man were in China and his wife is Chinese. So it would be something he's familiar with. And I, I mentioned too, uh, if you look up the Hanson Robotics logo, uh, the Hanson Robotics logo is a hexagram um, which is for y- you, I think, which is, uh, 16 and it looks like an H. So it's like a H, but it's a hexagram and it's, um, I think you stands for like thunder and setting many armies of helpers in motion, which is pretty much exactly what like these Sophia, the robots are going to be is like a blockchain mind army. Um, so anyway, that's what that's, those are my thoughts on Dao and the Tao and, Energy and, and you know, Berggruen, I've, I've mentioned, you know, met not just Berggruen, many, many Western interests have been pouring money into China and AI. And, you know, I, I don't feel like, at least at the level of the development of this stuff, it's as separate as they would want us to think, as much as a competition as they might want us to think.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you, when well, you sent that Greg Greg Isles, uh, yeah. the author, I actually read a couple of his books back along, you know, back in my early twenties. He's he's a really good author, actually. But he wrote a book called Spandau Phoenix, and huh. it's a it's about uh, it's like a alternative history book, like what if like it's kind of you know like what if the, hmm. what if this had happened, and it yeah. was Rudolf Hess who was the second in command at the the Nazis, and that the the story was he. Um, he actually like survived, and it was his double that was captured, and then off Anyways, wow. and he and he runs a big corporation, like the Nazi, the Nazis. But we have we we we've always <laughs> talked about this, the idea yeah. that like the Nazis didn't lose the war. <laughs> but actually, he's yeah. a really good author. I was kind of like, oh wait, Gre- Greg, I haven't read his books in years. I've read yeah. a couple of his books over the years. But um, somebody
1: said, oh Allison, you should read this. So I'm I'm working on a uh, you know my next quilt for Cliff, and so that's what I was listening to while I've been trimming fabric
0: interesting yeah i was wondering I got, how that, that little
1: i want that i want to save that because that's kind of what i'm trying to say
0: um is your interpret oh wait we already did that one uh do you think the ohio train derailment my id bracelets is an event that has woken s- some sleepers do you sense that people are picking up on the plot uh picking up the plot what is your analysis of the events do you have anything to say about that
1: Um, Well, I mean, I've been in in sort of email correspondence with Steffers, and she's pointed out a number of things about um, that event. Uh, Additionally, I guess early on, there was a key person in the interviews by the last name of Ratner who had a number of connections and then was also in the movie. So I actually happened to watch The White Noise, the movie, like the night before. like right around the time it happened, which was kind of odd to me because in the movie there's a specific reference to a simulation uh, event. Like that's kind of like a key, like climax point where the guy's told he's gonna die, but the guy taking the data actually has a simulation armband on. And he's like, are we in a simulation? And it's like, well, we would have arranged the bodies better if we were actually in the simulation. So, um, but I, I don't know like if the awake, the asleep story, like, I mean, to me that, I don't know. Like, I think we should be like, thoughtful. It's kind of finite.
0: It's kind of a finite thing. You know, it's like, I I think about my progression,
1: like what story are we living in and to get to a, a place that you would like, could wrap your mind around that most of the mainstream media that many of the people that we've come to like normal people would come to rely on as sources of information. And the whole world is maybe not what we think like, It takes a certain mindset to be able to look at that and and then make sense of it i mean because you know we've been living through three years of outrageous things happening right and then people somehow coming to terms with um finding ways to justify it so um you know you know i i just think back for me it was comforting when mojita read my chart and i said you know what's the audience for this and she said allison you know the vast majority of people who are here in any given time are living in their lower chakras, which means not, it doesn't mean that they're worse people. They're just living in their material physicality. They're not living in a higher plane to see it. So it doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. It's just, they're not actually here for that part of the the purpose. And so, you know, once you kind of get to that point, well, then maybe you're just there to do the work, but not to have giant masses of people figure it out because they're not actually equipped to they don't just like we can't sense um odors the way a dog can sense you know people have a different sensibility so i i I mean it's it's frustrating but i i think i think this you know red pill blue pill woken mom like it they gave us this language like this language has been developed Like, where did that come from, right? How do we pick this stuff up for the ways of framing this conversation, right? Because it has become almost a meme or a trope, or this is just a structure for what we say about people that are living it. And for me, I think the centerpiece of storytelling is really, really huge. I think this idea of um, immersive storytelling, collective storytelling, like how much of a story like is true or not true or the sources, and the psychological implications, it's gonna get really complicated because literally they would like for us to live in a delusional state. I mean, they really are working really hard to make us live in a, in a state where moment to moment, we don't know what is actually really real and what is not real. And one of the simulation platforms I've been looking into, this conductor platform, um, the other morning I, I, I was looking through their video channels and one of their recent videos said they're using chat GP whatever chat, the AI chat thing, to like develop the scenarios for their simulation modeling. Now, again, these companies pitch themselves as like, oh, we we just do sandboxes, um, but I'm not so sure, right? And so what happens when we start having AI run virtual simulations that are almost as good as the real thing? So um, I guess I just don't know what to, what the purpose is of the idea of people waking up like, like to to how much of the story. At this point, we're so far out, Jason, like, I don't know that people I mean, even my husband, he's like, I don't have time to catch up with you. Like, I would have to spend the next decade reading all of the stuff to catch up. And he's not going to do that. He's not going to like he has other things to do with his time. So I don't know, like, I don't know what we're doing when
0: I think there's there's again, there's different degrees of being woke or whatever. Um, Like I think about my my history of like how I've started, you know, changed my perspective and I learned about this and I had to kind of pivot and you know, Oh, I've got to incorporate this new thing in there. And like a lot of the stuff, you know, that's even happening now with, you know, talking about, you know, blackmail <coughs> and intelligence services and corruption and all that stuff is real and is actually important to understand, but it's almost like, then, then there's another layer on top of that, that um isn't being incorporated into it so like once you so for me it's like it's it's frustrating because you know starting with the monetary system i'm like okay once you understand how the monetary system works it totally changes the discussion about all these other issues dealing with politics and all this other stuff and then now like the more recent thing is you know once you understand cybernetics and um and and web3 It it, it changes the conversation. And then, you know, so, you know, we're trying to have uh, this this conversation that's incorporating this new information. And the majority of people, even in, like, alt-media spaces, are still having the same conversation they were having three years ago, you know? And it's not to say that that's not an important... uh, You know, I think a lot of the stuff that they're talking about is actually really crucial for understanding, you know, the world that that we live in. Um, But it's not the, the... the end. It 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 doesn't end there. Is the only thing you know. So it's like there's different degrees and different layers of this.
1: Well, and I think you. I think this idea. You know, I'm I'm still struggling. You know, I have a young adult child who's <clears throat> pretty much isolated themselves from me because <clears throat> I think they. I think for now that my existence in this like questioning is a threat to their like identity in, in the world, right? Like they're forming, they're in this formative state of like finding an identity. And my questioning, like not everyone is is willing to be able to, like one, <clears throat> like psychologically be able to step out away from like groups, right? They're, your identity is constructed by yourself in relation to your neighbors, or the people you go to school with, or your friends group, or your church, or, or you know the people you go to work with, whatever. Like you have to be able to be willing to be yourself outside of that. Like not necessarily antagonistic to that, but you have to be able to walk out away. And you know, I I have like my material reality is stable enough that I can do that. And psychologically, I I feel like I'm prepared to do that because I want to know, like, I want to know what happened to us the last three years. Like, I want to know really what it was, right? And, and there's levels, right? Like the level where we were at, you know, when you first interviewed me was at one tier, and then it keeps going deeper and deeper and broader. But not everybody is equipped to do that. And for some people, that's really threatening. So to even acknowledge that first thing, like they can't, because the implications of once they do that one, then it all unravels, right? And and I think that's the thing for my child is they, they thought I chose this over the family. Now, there was never a discussion in that way that that had happened, but like sometimes you walk out of the cave and then if you do try to go back in the cave and talk about what you saw out there, like it's very unsettling to everyone. And But nobody tells you like at the threshold that you cross out of the cave that you can't go back. And I think that's, but there, there are some people maybe who sense the tension, probably especially after the last two years. Like, okay, I might be willing to accept that these things that I once understood, I would, I would, in retrospect, assess them differently. But they know that once that chip falls, that many other things will fall too, and they're just not prepared to walk that road. They're just doesn't make them worse people. They're just not there. Um, So. You know, and I literally, as we move forward, I think that with this crazy reality that they're building, this hybrid blended reality, like, what is real? Like, what are we even going to know what the real story is? Like, I, I, like, at this point, I feel like everybody has to be out on their own reconnaissance, you know, because we can't do it for anybody else. We can really only do it for ourselves. And we can help each other along the way if we find, you know, like minded people. But I think we shouldn't be too. I mean, in retrospect, I think about like the past year and me getting off of Twitter and Facebook, and I was really mad. Like, I was really frustrated. I let it get me very frustrated that people couldn't understand. I took it as personally, um, as if my personal failing or as a failing of others that it wasn't moving, that we weren't progressing. And then, like, at this point, I just, It's not always easy, but I'm trying to practice like a radical acceptance of just where it is. (laughs) Um, Like it's just like like, phases of letting go.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's the only way. It's the only way you're going to be able to move forward (laughs) because you don't have control over anybody else, nor would you want to have control over anybody else. Yeah. Um, But yeah. And it's funny because it, 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 in a way, it like requires faith, not in a religious sense, but uh, just a faith that truth will. Out, I guess is what they say. Um. Yeah. Uh. Someone asked, "You'd still maintain a glossary of terms so that folks no, can have access to it." We there, there's one. In, there's one in the works. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if anyone wants to pick that up, that'd be great.
0: Well, we we have um, one started, you know, actually, but um.
1: But the thing is, like, I keep finding new things. So, like, you know, this whole thing about complexity theory and futarchy and um you know i'm kind of embarrassed because like honestly like my early di- you know d- glossary was all the stuff now i'm like oh i don't think it was really about that like or like it, it was about that as a stepping stone to something else but if you got stuck on like the glossary that i put out you know i was trying to put together a year and a half ago uh i like it's evolved so much since then so um Yeah. but i don't know maybe we should try to like on our videos like what was that like? It pays to improve your word power. Like Reader's Digest used to have this little section. It pays to improve your word power, and then they would have like like ten words, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: or like what is it like like the electric company or something? We could like have. I have a little, like, little
0: cartoon character video. kind of run run across the street. Today's <laughs> yes, word is spelling
1: words, <laughs> words. Here's your ten <laughs> concepts for the week. Like maybe I could start that on a blog. Here's ten concepts every week.
0: And, and I'm trying to keep up with questions. There's a, there's some conversation happening. So if you do have a question, just put the word question in front of it. That way I can um, pull it out easily. Uh, someone asked, do you know anything about the pre-blockchain work done on distributed decentralized computing if it relates to early smart contracts? Um, I... I
1: I mean, well, for me, mean like Scott I don't Stornetta know I, or
0: something like, yeah, I, I don't like, quite get what the question is, but
1: I, I mean, I ha- so I mean, I mean, the Ricardian stuff. Are you talking about like Ian Griggs stuff or Scott Stornetta? I mean, I can't say that I've done like encyclopedic work in that because often I'll be in a, like a certain research path. But, um, you know, I and Leo's talked about this, too, but I think it's really important that um You know stuart haber and scott stornetta's early distributed ledger work was about time stamping documents and so i do think increasingly that there is going to be something about synchronization and timing and time machine type stuff um that's related and and i i thought i actually had a pretty good concept of it this idea that like if you're going through immersive worlds that are set up as files right that you have tokens to access like you're going to need the timestamp to get back to it in time because what this is what we're experiencing is four dimensions right it's going to be a four-dimensional experience immersive reality is that extra dimension so um so yeah like knowing not just where is it but when is it is going to be important and I think on some of these things with the ledger especially with the sensor technology that that Leo's been talking about, in terms of like ecosystem sensing, like it's almost like they wanna be able to run it backward and then project it forward. So, um, you know, in the context of that uh, oh gosh, Cesium conversation about the Nvidia presentation, where they literally said like, oh, once you get enough data in the blockchain, like you can start, you can run it like a time machine. And, and I, I think that there's this stuff like the Markov principles, you'll have all these different trajectories and then they'll probably be an optimized trajectory um, to or, or they might say like, hey, you can explore alternate futures right here. Just uh, come into our simulation and you can see what happens. I mean, just the book you just said, like, what if this thing happened instead of that thing? Right. Um, or the person got captured or they didn't get captured, you know. It is like a choose your own adventure, only run on high quantum computers. Um, and I don't, I'm not saying it's happened already, but I, I can see that that's where it could be going. So um, anyway, so that's, and then the thing about Ian Grigg was Ricardian, like his connections to Vinay Gupta at Materium I'm working on the ricardian smart contracts because it was quite a a while of me being into looking at blockchain and smart contracts before i realized that the ricardian ones are the ones that have the force of law so you can have a smart mechanism that's like token enabled or sensor enabled that has like a binary yes no or on off type of thing uh in a built environment or a financial transaction uh but it doesn't it doesn't have a force of law like if there's a smart contract connected to your car key and your car, um, like if someday you go and they decided, you know, that it's, you're not allowed to drive somewhere, like that could be a smart contract, but it might not be legally enforceable. But in, in treating, products like derivatives or securities or things, those that was first step of what they wanted to set up legally because you wanna have legal recourse if someone screws you over on that kind of contract. And so, you know, increasingly smart contract law is gonna come into play, not just smart contracts as an internet of things technology. So what, what Ian Grigg, like he was in early in the space and I think he was working in maybe the digit cash space early on and like the gold backed digital currencies. Um, but he's a very interesting character. So those are the two people that I'm, you know, most familiar with early on. I know there's like a whole big set and, you know, honestly, that's something I should, you know, if, if people are interested in that, like Raul has a whole series and his focus now seems to be more on crypto stuff more specifically than web three and the impact space. So I would just direct you over to Silicon Icarus and like, there was a whole thing about the early time of like crypto code stuff
0: yeah well with smart contracts i've thought a lot about this with policing and legal enforcement that it, it the need for that is reduced dramatically because it's automated like it's connected to your bank account you get sued your money just disappears <laughs> you know it's it's a uh, you know your, your 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 smart contract doesn't allow for the car to the the your car, Uber car to show up to your house or for you to get the, the ride share or whatever, you just don't get the ride share, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, it, it's, it, so it's like, there's another layer on society that's automated that has policing built into it that, that, so you don't cool. need, yeah. yeah, you don't even need the old, old forms of, of, of legal enforcement. Uh, you, you know, they'll still have that of course, you know, but, um, also, back I mean, on it's the
1: black mirror, you know, I feel like it's more that level, um, and you know, it's sort of like once the control system, the smart contracts become invisible, and then they're normalized. Like it'll just be what the world is, right? Like we won't. There'll be this transition point of chafing against it, and then at some point, people will just resign themselves to like accommodating it, and I mean the thing I struggle with a little bit, like in the resistance space, I feel like because these social media feeds run on anxiety and strong emotion, like there is a financial and also like just reciprocal feedback to keep these systems of inflamed emotion, like going on. I but I think the narratives around the totalitarianism in somewhat like this idea of a totalitarian control that is just out in front like an iron fist, I obscures the fact that there's gonna be the velvet glove version, right? Like that there's going to be a softer version. And that I do think that within the complexity setup of these machine learning they there will want some differentiation of available, that they don't actually want a homogenous totalitarian global population, that they do want some varieties and that they do want you to not fight it all the time. Like, I, I feel like it's going to be more brave new world than 1984, like that that paradigm. And, you know, and maybe to get into the brave new world, like there's a lot of SOMA and, you know, that's the ketamine, the psilocybin and the cannabis, right? To get people into just like giving into it. And they'll be like thrashing around at the beginning and then then people will go there. But, um, you know, I don't think it's it's going to be like a soft coup, like a gradual, like the tentacles um, with, with some shock doctrines. I mean, I'm not saying that there's not going to be ever any sort of big things that are just like, whoa. But I don't think it's going to be one rolling blow, iron handed fist over after another. I think it's going to be a combination. And if we don't understand the ways in which they're going to use the amount of data that they have on us to push our buttons and to tell us what we want to hear and to validate us and to get us to walk along the road, like it would, of course, they're going to use all of that, right? To, To me, it seems very logical. It would be profoundly illogical to have 10 or 15 years of data on most every adult in the world and not use it to get people to go along. And, and tell them the story that they want to hear to get them to do what they want.
0: Well, and back to like what's real. Uh, it's like everyone can have their own customized perception of reality that's that's crafted towards their their own their own personality. And so, like maybe yeah. some some people will get the Brave New World version, and 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 then some people might get the <laughs> end up getting the uh, 19, dash of nineteen eighty four. Let's see. Uh what's the best way to contact you? Uh yeah, wrenchingthegears.com, Uh her, she's got a contact page on there. Um do you keep a yeah. research bibliography? Um you know I mean,
1: really that? my maps or my bibliography. I mean, on all of those huge maps that I include, um, you know, and I have a lot of embeds. I wish actually, you know what, Jason, I probably need to make a page on the blog that just has the master link embed to like all the different big maps I've made because mm. I don't really have a landing pla- place for that. that. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, because I, I probably have about eight pretty big substantial maps that I have. And then in all of those, I um, I include the source link for the dot. You know, if you click on the dot and then a lot of those, um, articles and supporting materials are either linked or I save them on my blog. And then I have a link to where they are on the blog. So um Well, yeah. and these so are resources sort of that
0: people can use. So like, if someone wanted to make a video and like, like here's an idea, uh, make a video maybe with some friends of yours that are that are exploring some of this and say, Hey, let's just record ourselves and explore one of Allison's maps and just randomly start picking things and like digging into them because I mean it might be a fun way to do some research with people um, because yeah there's all these the work that you've done yeah the work that you've done on these maps is like pretty intense like actually I think I've got uh
1: well, I was just talking with somebody today and I ended up sending a bunch. Um, yeah, I forgot about this map. Like this is one that we were, you know, I I'd made earlier on about University College London. Um, but then when I was poking around today to give it to someone else, I thought, oh, okay. So let me, um, I noticed that there, there was a really, you know, and it's funny because sometimes you hit upon these things and you know that it's interesting, but you don't know all of the stuff. You don't know exactly what's going on with it. Um, So it was this uh, Finnish uh, art project and uh, it it involved like a local currency and mapping social relations. And we found this report, this was maybe 10 years ago, and the report was so sad because the people like the project totally failed in this community that was on this tiny island that was like a UNESCO heritage site in Helsinki were totally skeptical of the researchers and they didn't want to participate in the project. And the whole thing got undermined. And so this whole it was like a hundred page report saying like and then we tried this and then we tried this and it all failed. But it was built off of a project around a let's, what did they call it? Local economic trade systems. The trade system. So like all the kind of stuff like that, you know, like the Catherine Austin Fitz crowd, you know, is pr- promoting, um, but in Amsterdam and where they applied uh, some sort of like transit pass RFID chips onto local notes. It was called the Belgian. Bild, Bild, I don't know. Can you, can you look it up Jason, the B-I-L-J, if you put it in the search bar, it should come up. Um, the oh. Belgian dollar and um i think bilj it should come up like our b or nope. put in dollar maybe it should come up if you type bi maybe yeah do... no nope, i tried dollar no nope. uh, okay maybe you can't do it Or right, it's in the bottom it's near the bottom i can't i can't i don't know um anyway okay. well I, I we'll, we'll, we'll go it. over this next this is the one okay so i think i saw somebody asking about the food forest dow Yeah, it's it's in there that way. Um, And so Leo has been doing a lot, a lot of work about the environmental impact space and the natural, like agricultural ties into social impact finance and Web3 and environmental stuff. And so he, one of the early prototypes actually is on the island of, do you say Curacao? And which is a Dutch like formerly dutch colony or affiliated with the netherlands which the, the dutch are all connected to all of this stuff and oh, um
0: so
1: they're doing a local currency uh, that is attached to the food forest and uh you know it's really interesting to hear them talking about like li- managing liquidity and emergencies you know and that they're a cybernetics lab so it's very clear to me that um you know these early prototypes as little you know, arts projects or cultural projects are really meant to grow into something much larger. So I'd really like to walk back through this map uh, along with Leo and look at the work he's doing. with It was called Co- Collectivo with a K like K O L E T I V T I V O Collectivo uh, with a yeah. two Ks. With, yeah. With a, yeah
0: okay.
1: um, and, and it was connected to Curve Labs as well and um, Cello. Uh, so it's it's a test bed because they always go to islands or like small out of the way locations to do these projects. And again, it being affiliated with the Netherlands. So, yeah. Oh, the Bil- Bilgemer Euro. Um. Yeah, so, okay, so they, there you've got the Colectivo and that's what Leo was mentioning about the badges. So I'd like to c- compare, like revisit this project in Finland and this Bilgemer Euro and the FID, RFID traceable money. So that's 2010, right? That's 12 years ago. That's really, you know, that's a long time in Web3 space um, since then. So um, anyway, yeah.
0: Back to the map. Um, okay, so, I just Uh, Are you familiar with the college textbook Human Energies: Emerging Tech and Future Systems 5?
1: No. I mean, the thing is, there's so much out there, like I kind of follow what like is on the trail that I'm doing and see what stories it tells and see if I can kind of tell a story that would resonate with other people and then they can pull in the stuff that they see in their part of the world. Um, because that's how I use my maps mostly is, you know, I just keep peeling it back and then looking at the people involved and looking at their LinkedIn's and what conferences they go to and some of the videos and then figuring out, well, what story, like, is there a subplot to the master narrative that I have, right? And right now, and the master narrative has changed, right? Like when I, Jason, when when we, you know, when you first filmed me, the, my master narrative was like, okay, this is late stage capitalism and we're dealing with human capital bond markets and technology, right? And and I knew that blockchain was part of it, like, but I, I saw it as a, a way of creating, um, these bonds, right? That was my primary focus. And then which is a part, but that's a part of it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a part of it. And then the next part is, oh, this is web three. Okay, web three is part of the blockchain. But it's about building extended reality, right? So we're not I'm not going to call it the metaverse, I'm going to call it extended reality or spatial reality and mixing the sensor network. So and that was another level. And then it's like, okay, so we didn't really have the, the handle on cybernetics. So then we get cybernetics under our belt. Okay, so cybernetics is using the sensor networks as a steering mechanism, as a governing mechanism. And then, so you get that under your belt, then you add in complexity theory and you're like, okay, so it's not just steering, but it's steering individual units as agents um, and coming up with rules um, because it's too hard to steer all the individual agents. So if we can just come up with some rules that the agents operate under, then we can get them to steer themselves. Right, which is kind of what the smart contracts are. Like we'll 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 create a world built on smart contract logic, automated logic, game mechanics, and token engineering, and then you can just bumble around in there like the Pac Man or the Frogger or something, and steer yourself through the game. Right. Um, and so I don't know what this next thing is. And people have asked me like, oh, are you know, again, are you doing the glossary? Are you writing a book? And I'm like, I'm just doing the next thing, um, because that's what what drives me like if I were trying to make money or write a book or do a thing like I would stop and then consolidate it all. But right now I'm still on the hunt for what this thing is. And Oh, you know and that's not even to include eugenics right because that's still a focal point optimization the global super organism right this eugenics based optimization through machines into a, a global consciousness this noosphere um so yeah so we'll have to see like well you know i think we're, we're we're still planning to do california in april or may and then we'll you know uh we'll see what comes after global super organism i don't know
0: I'm sure something, <laughs> um, I still love that edit too, where it was, um, Michael Crow. I don't, know what it means, it means something. <laughs> that was like the perfect edit. <laughs> uh, do you have insight on how they bring people up to s- speed on the world they are creating? Most people don't even understand crypto. So I guess, I don't know, if, I don't think the question is to us how we bring people up to speed, but how they're going to bring people up to speed. I mean, I don't know. Like, think think about how quickly people can change, you know, just look at the past three years and and yeah. the reorientation. And, and they brag about, like, you know, I was just watching another Marc Andreessen thing recently, and he was just, like, you know, ecstatic about, like, how amazing he's, like, you know, quickly people could get used to just working from home and doing school from home and doing yeah. everything from home. And actually we should, we should actually pick apart or maybe I will, if, if, if you don't have time, but like that video that I sent you, Allison, with uh, Andreessen and, and uh, Mark or uh, Newman. Uh, God, my, Oh Wii, yeah, the We
1: Work. Guy. The We yeah, because the
0: there's Wii Wii a new thing called Wii. Flow. There you know, the We Work. You think that oh, you it's have called like
1: called Flow? Oh, yeah, his his really...
0: oh, Yeah, Adam Newman's oh. new company that's, is called well, That's, that's flow. pretty
1: out in the open, isn't it? <laughs> right,
0: exactly. <laughs> so, well, so that's the thing. You have Adam Newman. There's a documentary on Hulu about we So maybe
1: with flow it's more like the slug the slime mold than the ants, because like I don't know, the ants flow. I would think that the slime mold would flow more than the ants.
0: Yeah, I don't know, but they're basically <laughs> getting into housing and making their your housing experience like, amazing, you know, because it's gonna you are gonna live, you know, you are gonna live at home, you are gonna work at home, and you are gonna, you know, uh, so they're is, they're is getting into or, real estate, is, but is it's it's wrecked? it's a continuation of what the Wii stuff was. So it's like almost like these things are set up to fail, but they they serve yeah. a function in terms of R and D, in terms of probably channeling money into other stuff. And then also getting the, you know, the, these ideas out there, I guess, because you would think someone like um, Adam Newman, who did WeWork, which was this, supposedly this monumental fail, uh, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's back doing another thing. Like I know, like I've, I get punished pretty harshly when I when I fail, even you know, in in the, in the in the business sense well, let's of it. Once they
1: understand, like that the actors, right? This idea right. that it's a spectacle.
8: Right. And that's
1: that's why, you know, I, I've, I've said, a, you know, it, it's been a bit, but like this this book, The Magus, the John Fools book, Fowles, F-O-W-L-E-S. It's a 1960s book, but essentially it is sort of like a mass psychological experiment that involves like a play, uh, a mask, actually M-A-S-Q-U-E, that, that starts to blur reality and fiction. And 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 then towards the end there's some sort of you know crescendo where it comes into sort of more of a psychological interrogation, but that's that's really starting to be what it feels like, especially with some of this AI stuff. And I know we had you know conversation about that, but like a probing, like a site, a probing of your psyche for all of this stuff. Yeah. And and then once you realize that oh my gosh, like most of the stuff you see is again not that none of it's real or that it's like totally false, but it's total it's definitely engineered so that you're not you, you're supposed to it's like a magic trick pay attention to this and and while i do this over on the side right you know and and that's what they're doing well
0: i'm waiting for sam bankman frieds come back <laughs> we know it's coming <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> maybe he'll come up he'll do the the digital commenting he'll say you're right like i should have just stuck with the, the commoning, the common good and he'll maybe he'll work with his parent his law school. Prof- professor parents on the digital democracy
0: yeah something. i'm not
1: doing money anymore guys i'm just going to do some democracy tokens
0: <laughs> what would it take to get you to speak to my community um i don't know, allison do you want to say anything we, we you know yep. go ahead i
1: don't i mean i'm not sure where your community is are you in california we're going to come
0: we are we are going to be in california in <laughs> april may
1: um yeah i mean at this point like the 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 speaking stuff, like, I mean, the online speaking, I, I'm just kind of, I don't know, email me, <laughs> pitch me. I mean, I'm not doing so many interviews because I, 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 at this point, I just, I feel like, like originally I did like interviews with other people under the, this idea that reaching their audience or them would make a difference in how the overall narratives were going forward and I just got really disappointed after two years to realize that pretty much all the people, like many of the people whose programs I was on, like some of them repeatedly, like never actually were able to incorporate anything I said into anything moving forward.
0: Yeah. They're still stuck in the other story.
1: Like, I'm just i don't know why but like then it was just it was just a waste of time right because i'm not in i'm not really it's not changing it's whatever i mean i i'm set up to feel like if you do that that you want like and i know you should just you know radically accept whatever happens but like that there's some purpose behind it but then when after two years you realize there really wasn't then for me i feel like i'm just gonna do it over here on my channel and um people will get out of it, whatever they get out of it, the 50 people who can hang out with us. And, um, you know, that'll have to just be what it is. But, you know, if you're near Philly, or you're in California or, you know, something else, like who knows, you know, uh, you know, things happen. Actually, I will say on, if for anybody who might be listening in, who is in the New York City area, I am coming up to New York City, um, to meet up with some friends who are presenting and uh and anyway so i'll be in like march 5th through the 10th or something like n- maybe not quite that long but that would the week of the fifth like so if you're interested in the middle of the week and you want to hang out during the day because i'm going to be doing stuff with them in the evening but you want to do some intentions like i was thinking maybe of going to the lucius trust building or outside or maybe the Bloomberg Philanthropy, some of the things that i have been meaning to do a long time ago and I didn't too. So if, you know, here's a shout out, if you're in New York and you want to hang out in the second week of March, uh, email me.
0: Yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, yeah, so, so yeah, reach out. Allison's got a contact email on her. Yeah, That's
1: T-I-M-P-S-I-L-A at protonmail.com. That's, or you can find it on the blog, on the contact page. And um, cool. Yeah. Well, I
0: know that you're you're tired, Allison. So um, do I'm you want
1: to kind of tired today? Yeah, yeah.
0: no worries. But
1: so like, again, uh, I really so I mostly I wanted to have this conversation because I want to surface this interconnection of uh, the Web three token engineering, uh, quote unquote, you know, democracy innovations, gambling markets, and impact finance space and the cybernetics, because I would I would think most people they don't really they're not they're not making the connections between and and then ultimately we didn't get to it in this one but the connection of biology into all of that that the linking of biophysics and um, with financial markets and betting um, because that that is the uh, somebody asked I put up the um, Eric Weinstein clip. Uh, on my channel last week, uh, both a a shorter eight minute clip and then a longer, maybe 20 minute clip. And I feel like it's really important. Now, this is something I I feel like is important. I don't understand all the ways it's important right now. uh, But that was at a uh, conference in um, Waterloo, Ontario, uh, at this Perimeter Institute of Theoretical Physics. And it was this man, he was proposing a Manhattan Project for economics. Hmm. And a good chunk of that talk in which he was proposing that was linking trying to get interoperability between like biophysics and econ- like econometrics and math <laughs> like trying to apply physics and math and biology all together and then you know his brother Brett of course you know both with the intellectual dark web stuff and the game B, is an evolutionary biologist. So it is going to be this thing of like, how can we use markets to, you know, and I'm sure at this point, like, there are probably some people who are doctors out there that use game theory and genetic algorithms to develop precision treatments for personalized medicine. Like, I, 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 hands down, I'm sure that this is already happening. And I'm not saying that that in and of itself is evil, but I think that if we don't understand it within like world sensorium uh, this evolutionary imperative since the 18th century to optimize humans for some sort of um other form life form and we haven't agreed like we haven't all agreed. let's you know like i think I, i've said before you know if someone just came up and said hey guys you know w- we have it on good authority that an asteroid is going to destroy the earth and you know, in 10 years from now. So we all have to get our blockchain mind files in order and like put ourselves on a spaceship and go into deep space or, you know, the poles are going to shift or some terrible thing is going to happen. So I know it sucks that you were born in this moment, but we all have to do this and whatever. And then we would agree or not agree. That would be one thing, but that's not how this is going down. This is happening. And you know, I think someone asked like, how would, how would they get people to get into this? I think they're going to gamify it. I think it's going to be a storytelling game. Like, I mean, they have the best people, right? Like Pixar, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg. They're going to sell you an amazing narrative to invite you in and then to give you a pile of tokens to say, we need you. You know, Uncle Sam needs you. The metaverse needs you. Web three, right? Like here's the game. And and like when you listen to what Kevin Werbach is saying, He's saying the best games teach you how to play within the game. So like the first stages, the levels of the game are to have an intuitive interface that you learn through trial and error how the game works.
0: Yeah, the game is to learn the game initially.
1: Yeah. And initially, like, and if it's seamless, if it's not too difficult, you'll do it if it has the right incentives. Right. If it has the right um, engineering of the tokens. Um, And to think, I mean, they've been working on this for Probably fifty years these games and game theory, so they they're pretty good at it. I mean, they've gamed a whole lot of people already. You know? Yeah. They're and and this is not even to mention like Hollywood and the simulation industry and Nvidia. They're good at it. So um, yeah, I yeah,
0: think they'll totally. just invite
1: you in through the game.
0: Um. Oh, I was going to show you. The, I just for kind of a fun visual. <laughs> I, I I went to. Uh, there's a place called Meow Wolf here in Denver. They have them in a few different places, but it's like a interactive art space. I actually have several friends who've got put some artwork in there, and um, but uh, so I, I went, went to a show there, and I, I went to check it out recently. But they had a this interactive thing where there was like this light was following you as you walk around. So I grabbed a video. It's not a very good quality video, but I just I grabbed a video because it was a kind of a nice visual of. Uh, So you, I don't know if you can see oh, there, wow. but like when, when you walk around, the light follows you around. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of what they're building in our world. You know, <laughs> yeah, we're, <yeah>, right? <laughs> we're, we're going to have uh,
1: your own bubble. Uh,
0: oh, wait, let me uh, switch it to here. That's another one. Yeah, but yeah, the, the, the light was interact. I mean, I've done like, uh, I was a VJ for many years. So I've done a lot of, a lot of stuff where, you know, the the light and the, the video can interact with, you
1: can, Use cameras. But see, like I feel centuries. like some of that is gonna be this new language. Like I think that there's ways of communicating like this stuff that's I don't know, like I mean, even remember what what was it, the Tom Cruise movie with the precrime minority report, right? And he's like up in front of a screen with these you know, moving stuff around. Like I feel like there there's gonna be ways that are beyond alphabetic language.
0: Yeah definitely um, anyway so yeah i think i think we that's a good stopping point um yeah
1: yeah so we we'll, we're going to plan another follow up with leo because like i said he has a lot of good um more material i know that he has a lot of stuff in a backlog of stuff that he's going to be putting out and um i do too so please like <laughs> um i would say yeah i'm you know I'm really interested in feedback on the series that I have the God's eye view. It's like four p- parts so far, it's going to be made probably about 15 parts total. And, um, you know, it's, I have to do this because I, I feel really strongly like I'm driven to do it, but it's like, it's nice to know that there are people out there who like are, that it mean, like, I don't know, it's, it's just, it's, it's challenging to put it out and then to not really know if, anyone's getting what you're trying to say because for me it's a process like it's a back and forth i don't have it dialed in it's not like i'm an official journalist and i've got the thing and i've nailed down the case and i've got the hot scoop and i've you know you know breaking the story it's more a a thinking out loud through really complicated concepts that I'm, i'm not really equipped to but in the absence of other people doing it i'm kind of jumping you know not that there's no one else doing similar work um but you know it's i'm thinking through it out loud and i would love to think through it out loud with some other people so
0: yeah great well thanks a lot allison and thank you all for joining in and we'll do another one of these probably i'm imagining within the next week because we have a lot of uh other content here so um yeah tune in we'll let you okay. know and then check out allison's website um and yeah the it's god's eye view is the this the name of the series yeah it's it's yeah. a it's a really great great series. So anyways, thanks everyone.